Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Grindstone Adventures podcast episode 30, part two. And today I got sitting next here, next to me here in Michigan at his house, Chris from the Red Outdoors. What's up, buddy? Not a whole lot. Yeah, it's cool to have you here. It is. I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm excited for tomorrow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, we were just saying, if you get one, call me. If I get one, I'll call you. That just makes it more exciting. It does. I mean, like I'm out there hunting, but I know you're hunting. So now I, I could be pulling nothing right you know, so i'm just praying like come on come yeah, on text, exactly. come, on, text. Like, All right. come on man call yep. me up like i like going on tracking jobs yep. almost as much as i like shooting them yep but the text i really hope to see tomorrow is hey i got one as i'm typing the same thing to you Dude, that would be awesome. that would be nuts that would be insane that'd be the perfect day it would be. my deer that i'm taking that that's donate me so that, that's what that that's what i'm doing to, with this to one. end the year like that would be i've donated cherry so i've killed three deer this year nice i kept the first one I've yeah got, i've got to do my first one i gotta fill my freezer before anybody else gets well my freezer was filled i just, <laughs> just want some fresh deer yeah i gave the second doe to my buddy mm-hmm. cut it up for him and everything third deer was my buck gave that to my other buddy he, i told him i was gonna just take it into where he works he works at a meat processing plant sort of not really a plant it's just like a butcher mm-hmm. and he's like well if you're gonna take it in there he's like anything that nobody claims i bring home anyways you might as well just let me have it i was like okay gutted here you go right. so it, i gave it to him and nice. i told the guy at work i said if you want some deer i'll, I'll i got two tags you have to fill one in michigan one in ohio i said i'll get you some meat mm-hmm. i got no issue like i got no room so i'll give you every part of it yeah he's like all i want is the steaks and i don't want them ground up i was like oh, no don't ground steaks anyway i don't grind <laughs> steaks but uh, you get grind and steak that's like, what that's how you get it. if you want steaks then i'll leave the steak whole and mm-hmm. then i'll cube up burger and i'll give you some pork fat with the burger and you can do what you right, like and right. he's like oh okay yeah that's what i meant i was like okay i just want to make sure like we're on the same page you just explain <laughs> the difference right he, he doesn't hunt mm-hmm. um stuff but he's a cool guy and then uh who was it the other day i told oh my girlfriend's sister i told her i was like if you guys want some deer you just gotta let me know right i said before you know i kill it so that way i don't give it to somebody else right but that's something i've been very happy with what i've done this year like i've never killed enough deer to give away yeah and i didn't accomplish my goal this year i wanted eight deer this year yeah i'm hoping to get five halfway i've got three down i got two tags left to fill and i'm not going to even buy another tag in ohio after i fill it so i don't know i got that one opening day and i was passing on does early season that i'm regretting now so next year game plan is totally different i'm not passing on deer day one i would n- want to shoot now right so i think i've heard that on a podcast yeah don't pass a deer the first day that you'd shoot on the last day yeah. of your hunt yeah i'm feeling i that think now. that's a pretty smart thing to do yeah especially if you're looking to donate like i said for me it's one deer takes care of my family i'm good mm-hmm. and then with michigan we can purchase up to 10 additional tags so oh, I could wow. really put them in, but I was being selfish. I wanted to get my first buck, and I'm thinking, take the does early. That's not Bucks selfish, though. To follow. For me, it is, because the permission that I have, like I said, was with the agreement that I was donating, whatever. So I actually went in, and we brought um, gifts yeah. for the people that gave us permission. When I brought it in, they were asking, did you get one? I'm like, I took my deer opening day, but here I haven't got anything yet. I said, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm feeling a little guilty because... I was being selfish. I was seeing the potential of some of these bucks out here and not ever taking one myself. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get one, so I'm going to let these does go. Hopefully a buck follows when I should have been taking those does early. I said, so I'm going to apologize. Next year I'm going to be filling some freezers first, 
and then maybe God will bless me with something big afterwards because right. there's too many does out here anyways. They got to go. Yep. I, I, I'm i very happy with how I've done that this year. Like, my girlfriend kept her buck meat from this year, too. It was a great deer. So, Jeez. it was. I was very <laughs> proud of her. I was, I very was proud jealous. Of her. I was costing me before I was happy for her. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Oh, uh, I, I won't lie to you. I don't know if she even listens to these, but, like, when she f- shot, now she says I rushed her, which I probably did, but I didn't explain to her the map. Yeah. So, like, I'm sitting there, like, on the camera, staring straight at the screen, watching this deer, knowing mm. he's 35 yards, and that's past her pin. Yeah. So I'm like, if, Aim you, high. Aim if high. you're going to shoot, you need to shoot now. You on him? You on him? You on him? <laughs> Stop rushing me. And she's like, you're making me nervous. I was like, <laughs> he's almost at 40 yards, mm-hmm. and we're almost out of light. You need to shoot now or never? Mm-hmm. Are you on him? Are you on him? Because I forgot to explain to her, hey, when you're on him, let me know and I'll yeah, stop him. Right. So then he finally does stop on his own. I'm on camera. She shoots. He just wheels. He didn't act hurt or nothing, just wheeled like he was scared. I was like, Really? No meal kick, oh, no nothing? No. I was like, yeah, Oh that's that. man. No. So he runs and we break down the stuff in the blind. Excuse me. And then we get out and we're looking for blood. Can't find the arrow. She didn't have lighted knocks. Okay. So I'm like, all right, crap. Which I still need to get it back out there with a metal detector and try and find that arrow so the farmer don't run over the broadhead. Because mm-hmm. it was a G5 Mega Meat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be bad for a tire. Slinging some blades. So can't find no blood. No hair where the impact site was. So I'm like, all right, what do we do here? She's just like ecstatic, kind of just wandering around talking out loud on the phone and this mm, and that. I and shot I, one. I shot she's, one. She's having a ball, and I'm like keeping it to myself. I'm like, I don't know about the shot. You don't want to celebrate too quick, right. and then you got to tell people you shot and didn't recover. Right. I'm, that's, that's I'm letting her do her thing, but at the same time, I'm preparing to be like, yeah. guess what? That's part of hunting. You don't find yep. them sometimes, yep. or you don't shoot them good. So then I'm like, all right, can't find no blood at the impact site. So I go to the trailhead or the wood line on the field, and I'm walking every trail edge mm-hmm. looking like, did he go in here? Maybe there's some blood there. Maybe he went in here. Maybe he went here. Get to the property line. I'm like, all right, well, I don't have permission to go on the other property yet. Yeah. Got to stop and ask. I'll just walk the property line in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. You know, that's literally a needle in a haystack mm-hmm. at dark, anyways, in a, right. like a hay field because it ain't a crop field. Right. So I'm walking and walking. I, dude, I, I can't believe it when I tell you, like, it was like he just sat there and he like just puked for a second and then took off again right there on the property line. I'm like, no way. Wow. So I called Jen over. I was like, hey, come check this out. She come over and she checked it out. She's jumping up in joy. And yeah. She gives me a hug and this and that. That's and not a deer. Hang on. I was like, that's, <laughs> that's a good sign. Yeah. We got to find him still. She's like, all right, so what do we do now? I said, we go get her stuff. We get in the truck. We drive up to his house, neighbor's house right there. We ask permission to track. Yeah. And she's like, then what? I said, then we go back to the house and we eat dinner. Yeah. And she's like, what? I was like, I don't think you hit him very well. I yeah. said, we're going to give him some time. So we went back up to the house, got permission, went to my house, ate dinner, and I'm sitting there reviewing the footage on my f- camera. I show my dad. My dad's like, yeah, I don't think she got it. Mm-hmm. I think he's just wounded and he'll survive. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, me too. And she's excited, talking to her parents, trying to get arrangements taken care of with her daughter and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do I break this to her? Yeah. So my buddy Jake tells me, he's like, well, I can't be there to help, but uh, let me know what happens. And my buddy Trenton calls me. He's like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, mm. funny you should ask. Yeah. 
where you at? And he's like, on my way home from work. I said, come over to my house. I need a body. So he's like, all right. Because <laughs> Trenton's helped me track several deer before. So he kind of knows how to go with it. Jen, uh-huh. Jen's never tracked deer until that point. Yeah. She's actually got quite good at it very quick, yeah. which is nice. Trent comes over. We go down the field. We're just blood tracking. We lose blood. We walked over 75 yards before we found blood again, and it was my girlfriend that found it. Mm-hmm. So we walk up in this tree line. We're looking. I'm looking. I've got my headlight on, a very bright LED flashlight. I brought my Glock with me because I'm like, well, if, you know, last chance I'll give her the gun and be like, all right, pop him because yeah. if he's not going to live, I don't want him to get away, you know. Right. Some people might frown upon that, but I consider that ethical at that point. Like, I don't take You've my... you injured it. Like, you have a responsibility right. to finish the job. So I've got my Glock with me. I'm walking in the woods, and I just see a head stand up. And I'm like, oh, no, we're about to bump him. So I'm like, Jen, get up here, get ready to shoot. She's like, I don't even have my release on. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> so well, this is just, you're now you're experiencing all the things. We were talking about this earlier. We're yeah. going through a process that you don't think about. You yeah. understand that when you're tracking a deer, there's a potential that you're going to walk up on a wounded deer. Right. You might have to put a second shot. You're ready. She doesn't know. This yeah, she, I didn't time. explain any of it to her. So for you, you're like, oh, come on. I heard she's like, how was I supposed to know I this? was like, Jen, put your release on. She's like, all right, hold on. <laughs> she puts it on. She comes up, put an arrow in. Mm-hmm. Okay. She puts an arrow in. I'm like, see those eyes? And she's like, yeah. I said, get ready to shoot. We're going to walk up here on this little rise. The crick's down below us. If it's your buck, we're going to shoot him. If he takes off, I'm pulling my Glock. Uh-huh. And she's like, what do you need a Glock for? I said, if he's wounded and he's running, you're not going to kill him with a bow at dark. Right. You're not going to be able to shoot, shoot. And I said, but I'm not going to give him up because he's wounded. That's our responsibility. So he takes off before we even take a step. I was like, oh, crap. I never would have even got the Glock on him. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, well. And that was her buck? I, it was not. It wasn't? We got lucky. I think it was a doe. Okay. So I was like, well, I guess next course of action, because Trent's like, well, now what? I guess we go find his bed and see the blood inside of it and try and determine from there. Right. So we walk up there. I'm looking for his bed, and I look over, and her buck's laying there dead. It's different. Really? Yeah. She wow. cut his jugular. I was like, that is awesome. So then, you know. Lucky. Video of pictures cool. the whole nine yards. She made me get him. Mm. Drag him back. That was a long drag. Yeah. A real long drag because he ran probably like four or 500 yards. That was a big buck. But he was dead before we left the field. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. It so it was, it was a pretty cool experience. I She's excited. I'm surprised you guys didn't have more blood before you found the big spot. I mean, with the next shot. I, I know think, when my first I doe. I don't think the adrenaline kicked in until he was about ready to leave the field completely. Because that's when the blood really started coming on. Okay. So, like, I think he was, like, scared. And then. You he, said he wheeled. He just. He wheeled. He stopped. From the, from the shot. And then it was like, then he took off like a bat out of hell. And I was mm-hmm. like, huh. My dad's like, yeah, he wheeled because he was scared. Yeah. He stopped and then took off again because he felt pain. And he took the arrow with him? The arrow went right through it somewhere in the field. Okay. It was just like two blades probably went in and that was it. Mm-hmm. So it's even crazy. She's she shooting killed. the Megamates too? Yeah. She had a two-inch slice on that. Yeah, neck. it was crazy. Shit. Yeah, it, it, she was got lucky, but it was a good thing she shot him then, especially yeah. with stuff now. She well, it's good now because now that's a learning experience for both of you. She yeah, gets she's the nerves excited. out. And then you get to explain, hey, remember when I was asking you, are you on shoot now? Yep. Like, let me know. Like, she, we need to communicate because yep, when he's in frame, now. if I'm going to get this on camera, I have to have him in frame before you pull that trigger. So let's right. figure out body leggings or nudges or something. Yep. She she knows that now, mm-hmm. and she's happy about it. But uh, 
She's very excited for next season. Yeah. She's like, well, next season it'll be a little different, obviously. What a way to start. But, is she uh, going to be cool if she doesn't take a buck for a little while and she's got to put a doe down? Is she still equally uh, I excited? Was, I think she'll be all right because That's she's good. been begging me to get back out in the woods to put a doe down this season. I told mm -hmm. her, I was like, listen, realistically, the first week of December, if you don't get a doe in there, yeah. We're done hunting Ohio. Yeah. And she's like, well, why are you still going to shoot? And I said, because I'm trying to retain a property, and the property owner told me he wants deer killed. Yeah. And I haven't gotten one on his property yet. Yeah. So um, I feel an obligation to kill a deer on his property mm -hmm. to try and retain that property for next year. Right. I don't want to kill a deer on his property because it has been so many taken so already. And they're the little baby's probably seven inches now. Yeah. So I, I don't want to do it, but yeah. I feel like I have to. Yeah. But I'll also donate that meat too. So, yeah, that's but cool. it was a good learning experience for both of us. Absolutely, to and get something in your belt like that too. Your first now she's hooked. Like, oh my god! Yeah, like her first deer ever. Yeah, well, that's a testament buck. to anybody who's like considering hunting or, you know, is yeah. getting frustrated because they haven't made it happen yet. That one moment patience. will change everything for patience, you. Patience, 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 and it's something that you can't shake. You will want that adrenaline rush you'll want that experience year after mm -hmm. year after year just you can't even wait a couple of weeks she wants to do it again like yeah so she's got it so she's got I, the bug i can attest to that waiting it it gets hard waiting for a buck yeah i started hunting way back before 2006 probably around 2004 mm -hmm. i was young killed my first deer in 2006 mm -hmm. i killed nothing but does until 2017 when i shot my first buck you just seven does up on that wall right now that's all I got. I didn't kill another buck until 2021. Yeah. And then I just killed again this year. Yeah. But I didn't really start getting into hunting hard mm -hmm. until the last three years. Yeah. So, like, my first buck was a whim. I shot him. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. My first compound buck, I'll never forget that. That's more yeah. memorable than my first buck. I was telling you that when you were saying you're making yeah. the transition, you're going to be doing the compound bow. Like, man, you wait. Yeah. You thought that was cool with the crossbow. You wait till it's inside 30. Yeah. You know, or you got to steady out because your shot was farther than 30 wasn't it about 40 yeah yeah so the the patience and the control that you had to show in that moment because I, I saw the video and you're pulling back you could hear it like you hear it bounce around <laughs> on the rest. QAD. yeah yeah <laughs> but as soon as i got it back dude yeah you looked real steady oh it was and that deer's out there you could see it but it that, was sound lights was, out. that sound was undeniable that, that was a dead deer it was awesome because as soon as that arrow let go mm -hmm. and i hit that you heard that thwap and stuff and you see me shake the bow in the mm -hmm. gopro footage and yeah i knew what you were gonna do before you did it you're yeah, like, it, right to the end i'm like, uh, like yes, yes like that yes. was awesome and stuff but like man there ain't no better feeling than knowing i waited patiently mm -hmm. and then i put the best shot on him i possibly could yeah and then right afterwards my girlfriend goes when we walked up on him she goes what pin did you put on him? i was like hmm. i don't remember and she's like how did you shoot him? I was like, well, obviously I put the right pin on him. But yeah, well, you said you were ranging yeah. you know, trees before, so obviously you had that I ranged two before. trees right there, so I don't know mm -hmm. if you could tell the depth of them, but the one was like 10 yards in front of the other one. Okay. And the little flat one that he ended up going by was like 42 yards. Did you split the difference? Or did and you then go the other one, one was like 31 and a half or something like that. Okay. He ended up walking behind the 42-yarder Okay. and just got his vitals on the other side, I believe. And that's when I mapped him. He cleared the tree completely. He stopped, looked up, and by that by the time he looked up, the arrow was already in flight. Yeah. And so I made probably a 43, 44-yard shot with a 40-yard pin. Hell of a shot, especially coming in 
and I wear contacts too. I wear contacts because I'm pretty blind. Mm -hmm. I have trouble seeing my pins out that far. Yeah. Like when I'm 3D shooting and I decide to shoot a long shot, I'm sitting there like, oh man, I can barely see the target. Mm -hmm. Let alone the little ten ring or whatever. Right. So I'm sitting there like, well, I'm just going to try to put it where the where, where I think right. the vital is supposed to be and hope for the best. That might yeah. be why I kind of suck at that also and target panic. But yeah, it is what it is. But uh, yeah. That's awesome. That's a hell of a year for you and your girl. It was a year to remember. One of your best friends too. Yeah, smoked an absolute stud. So I mean, yeah, the guy who works on my bow, he shot. I don't remember how many points it was, but he shot a stud when I had my buddy up from Cincinnati mm -hmm. that I played football with in college. He was up hunting where Sherman lives, mm -hmm. and I had I was literally on my way to go get in the stand, have him in one spot and Jen in another spot. Jen was doe hunting. My buddy Jordy was just deer hunting. He didn't care what it was. Yeah. He was dying. Yeah. He wants his first He's one. shooting something. So I was literally on the way to drop them off and get set up. And I look at my phone last second. Like, we're pulling in. I look at my phone. It's like, he said, hey, I got one. Can you come help? I was like, on yep, way. I'll be there. <laughs> I was kind of at this point because it was at least a great you night. In you had to unpack. And you're like, you're it, all right, I just got to turn I around. Told, I told Jen and Jordy, I was like, all right, go get in stands. I'll know when you're headed down the right path, Jen, because I know where Jordy was headed. I was like, I'll know where you're headed on the right path because i got a cell cam. So if you get in the right stand, I'll see you going past the yeah. camera. like you're on track. So then I go help him drag it out. It's a stud. Mm -hmm. Like probably a four-and-a-half-year-old, five-year-old deer. Just a stud. I mean, he wasn't – he'd probably go 125, 130. Just mm -hmm. a solid deer. Like his horns yeah. – the score won't do his horns justice. Yeah. What like, a big body, old deer. I mean, yeah, like I scored my deer. That's a huge accomplishment. This you year. Four and a half, five years. That, that's oh, a yeah. smart old deer. I shot a four and a half, I think, this year. Nice. And I, Jake scored it for me this last weekend. Mm -hmm. Scored 102 and some eights. Okay. And I was like, well, I didn't think he was going to be a giant, but yeah. I'm happy I got over 100. Yeah. Hey, I would have yeah. been happy if he got over 50. He got your blood pumping. I scored my girlfriend's. You know, yeah. the, the jitters out from your first I was, compound. I shook. I shook like a leaf. Heck yeah. I scored my girlfriend's right afterwards. You know, I'm, I don't really know how to do that stuff. We, he was helping me add it up and stuff. Hers went over 110. That's awesome. So, I mean, it's not like the scores matter. We don't believe in net scores anyways. Yeah. But it, it's so cool. that like. But you whooped your butt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you ask her, she'll be like, no, your deer's bigger than mine. I'm like, uh -huh. Number wise, it isn't, mm -hmm. but hers is a nine point, yeah, pretty symmetrical minus that brow tine, yeah, and mine's a seven point with a weird, like, weird ass three the on the side. <laughs> I think that, like, my buddy said that was what would have made him shoot it. And I was yeah. like, Well, dude, when he came in, I didn't even see that side of his rack, I just seen the regular yeah. side, yeah, and seeing how thick and how white and nice it was, I was yeah. like, Yep, shooter. And when he come in the 44, like he was at 70 and then 50 and then 44 ish. And mm -hmm. then he was working away from me. He was going to go, he wanted, I wasn't gonna even going to get shot if I didn't shoot where I would be. Yeah. So it was a good time. But, uh, I, and I'm you got excited. it on film. Yeah. Like, first, first buck kill on major film. props. Yeah. That's, that's hard to do. If people haven't done that. Second deer on film. That's insane. So it filming is, so is hard. incredibly hard. Yeah. yeah. Like trying to do it this weekend. Also well, it takes your hard. attention away from what you should be focusing on. Yeah. You can get busted like that. I've had deer come in and I'm watching the deer. I'm looking at not noticing the two other circling around that came in behind me. that yeah. are watching me act like an idiot up there moving around the camera. And they're like, Hey, 
he's over here. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. self-filming's Dude, hard. I was hanging my st- set this afternoon, evening, and I was like, I'm on a third set, or third stick. I'm climbing up, setting it, mm-hmm. looking around. Like, yep. Because yeah. you know it's like, and you relax and stop paying attention. Finally get it set. Out. I'm like sitting there, finally get tied into a tree, cameras up, bows ready, sit down, lean my head back against tree, take a deep breath with my eyes closed. I'm like, hear something rustle. I'm like, squirt. Up it. I look left, and it's just corn stalks rubbing together. I'm like, oh, man, I need to like, I can't have that response when, that happens, right. when a deer comes out. But like, I need to res- relax. And I... Hadn't really eaten anything all day but some fruit with my girlfriend this morning. Mm-hmm. And I drank coffee and I drank a water on the way up. Oh, eat good when you got yeah, I'm sitting there, like, I've only experienced this whenever I was in sports. I'm uh-huh. sitting there, anytime my leg got up on its toes, my left leg gets hit her. Because my, my thigh was burnt. Uh-huh. I was done from climbing that tree and not yep. getting enough stuff in me. Yep. So, like, when I texted you i had just left the gas station i put some gas in i told my wife i said i guarantee he's getting gas before he gets out here because i'm not trying to do that in the morning no I was like, oh, <laughs> not when you got that drive I, like, I have enough gas to get there but i don't want to do that in the morning. yeah and i was like i walked in the gas station i was like all right my leg was shaking when i was in the stand i'm dehydrated uh-huh there's a simple fix went back and i grabbed the gatorade yeah um, those electrolytes yeah the, elect- the new <laughs> electrolyte gatorade yeah. and then i grabbed a uh, muscle milk i was mm-hmm. like all right Protein. Some protein and some electrolytes. I won't feel good. So then we carbo loaded when you got yeah, there. Yeah, oh, dude, I feel that so much better. Some, some like garlic bread. Oh yeah, I yeah. feel so much better. Good. Oh, was, good. I'm gonna be golden in the morning. That's like, how I feel. That's I, don't I love eating eat breakfast food like that. But yeah, I felt great after dinner. I, I was like, I should have felt like this in the stand, but mm-hmm. I'm an idiot. Didn't no, eat. it'd be good. I got bagels for the morning if you want to do anything. Just oh, I'm super right. light, but I don't normally eat. Dude, you're getting dressed and fist bump. Yep. you're out. You're out. Yeah, I'm gonna be out unless I kill or you kill. I'm gonna be out until dark. Yeah, I'm not gonna do an all day sit. I'll probably, you know, the rain's yeah. coming. I'll do a morning sit, make an adjustment, move a stand mm-hmm. around, whatever. But yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some scouting for the sure. Like once I move this stand, because I'm yeah. almost positive I'm gonna move it towards that one back corner. A I have bit. a good feeling. If you were up there tonight and you didn't see anything, first sit, it's always but good luck. Go out there. I, I have a feeling you're I'm at least like, gonna see something in the morning. I'm gonna go scout the other property where I shot my turkey too and see what it's looking like right now. Mm. Maybe I'm wrong and one of those fields germinated and came up late. Yeah. And maybe. if that's the case, then that's where those deer will be. Yeah. In that area, because you know, green field right now, green's gonna be good. And the snow's gone. So right. I mean, I mean, my grass right now in the yard is green. Yeah. So it's nuts. They're going to be taking advantage of it. Hopefully, my girlfriend doesn't make me mow the yard whenever I get back. Yeah. 50s tomorrow. It's going to be warm. Yeah. I remember that whenever I pack in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I packed in too hot today. (laughs) I didn't even wear all my gear. I was wearing like a. Okay. I I had an Under Armour, a Carhartt, Mm -hmm. my light jacket, and a vest. I was definitely. Layered up. I was over layered. (laughs) Because I'm sitting in a tree stand. All right, sweat's getting cold. Yeah, and I yeah. could smell the sweat, and I'm like, soaking there. My phone, <laughs> my phone was at the bottom of the tree. Uh, this sucks. <laughs> no, it was just like a mental thing. I'm mm-hmm. sure the wind's blowing enough in the right direction that if a deer would have came out where I wanted it to come out, I would have been fine, even with the sw- smell sure. coming off me. Sure. But it was just that thing. So uh, that was supposed to be an intro. Um, we kind of got carried away, but it was all right. And my computer died at the end of that, so uh, no worries there. But this is uh, Chris from the Red Outdoors. 
And this is episode 30, part 2, that you'll be listening to. And I appreciate you guys listening to this. Um, you know, the support from the viewers and, you know, people from the social media, it goes a long way. It doesn't go unnoticed, so I appreciate it. Um, hope you guys enjoy this. There will be a part 3 in two weeks. Part, you're going to have Get, mid lungs. Yeah, right. But if you shoot them while their head's down and they they hear that bow or something small lets them know that an arrow's coming or whatever. Yeah, I imagine it's a whistling noise of something. They're dropping yeah. and they're leaving at the same amount of time yeah. in seconds. Yeah. But I, I, I've also seen videos of guys shooting deer with, <clears throat> you know, their heads down and they're eating. Mm-hmm. But you don't really need to stop them. So. Right. You just shoot, in my opinion, you can just shoot wherever you want because they're not, they don't hear you, so they're not expecting anything. Right. I, it also depends on how far they are. Right. If you're 20 yards, shoot wherever the hell you want. Because the, by, the time, they, by the time they hear that arrow, it's already through them. Right. 30 yards, I would imagine you could probably do the same. But if you get out to 40 yards, I would imagine you would need to aim a little low so they drop into it. Honestly. My buck didn't know what hit him. Now, mine may not be, you know, every circumstance. Um, Let's go after those deaf deer. But, uh, okay, we're going to get Chris from Michigan on. I don't even know how to say his name. I'll let you look at it, see if you can pronounce it. Oh, boy. <laughs> I want to say Berghart. Berghart. Yeah. Okay. Berghart. But uh, we'll give him a call here in a second. I'll finish this story up. But, like, my buck at 40 yards this year, like, I watched him come in from, like, 100 yards away lose him in a brush and he shows up 50 outskirts 50 yards for like two or three minutes and then he cuts a trail in to about 40 a short uh, excuse me man that course <laughs> banquet gets me course but uh he was on a mission dude a hot dog had been through there in the morning mm-hmm. he was on a mission had his head sniffing i 40 yards away so i'm like Mark! yeah it sounds muffled in the video but i i, I let him know i was there He's walking, wing head ping, looking, looking back where I was from. I was up in a, I was not the lead tree out closest to him, so I was back yeah. in a little bit, which was nice. I saw that, yeah. Covers you up and, more. And, you know, I put the 40 pin on him. I'm assuming the 40 pin. I told you, I, I don't remember what pin I put on him because <laughs> my adrenaline after the shot was nuts. So I put that 40 pin on him. I'm, I'm thinking, which is my third pin, just pull the trigger. Everything felt natural and smooth. And all of a sudden, I hear, flap! And I was like, oh! And I yeah. just see him. It felt like he was closer to me at this point. But he, he wasn't, obviously. Yeah. It felt like he was closer to me. I could just see a, a gashed hole in him from that G5. Mm-hmm. Right where I was aiming. So I was like, he didn't drop. He didn't know what was coming. And, like, I can't shoot my bow at a deer at dusk anymore because my Luminox are, like, fucking flashing red and blue. Really, oh, really you got the strobe ones. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, if a deer sees that coming, they're out of there. They know it's coming. But, yeah, uh, yeah it was really cool to I see I got that. those, but I I used the, just the single color. I, I used the green. It's Obviously, it's easier for me to pick up a bright green than it is like a red. Honestly, the reason I got the ones I got now, you want to take a guess? They're cheap. I didn't even look. I looked at the brand, and then I just grabbed Oh. <laughs> I had no idea which ones I grabbed. Okay, there's his number. All right, we're, we're bringing Chris Berghart, Berghart, Berghart from the Red Outdoors on here. So be patient here. Sound might get a little funky.
Hey, what's up, man? There he is. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> not a whole lot. Getting ready to eat a late dinner with my wife. Oh, yeah? We're not interrupting, are we? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that's why I'm saying call me so I can get situated with dinner and then we can knock something out if you want to. All right, cool. I uh, say so we've been, me and Steven, uh, my, one of my team members is here. We've been rolling for a little while, but we're just seeing if we can get someone to hop on with us and just, you know, shoot the wind. Yeah. But uh, I, was, I was just telling Stephen about uh, your heartbreak. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I said, we've all been there. Yeah, still healing. Yeah. Well, how far was he? 32 yards. 32 yards, yeah. 32. And every video I'm watching now of all these guys that I follow shooting big bucks, Matt turns and looks at him and doesn't move as they launch the arrow. I'm like, he wasn't even looking at me. I still pulled the matrix move. <laughs> You're, he uh, turned away from it and dropped at the same time, didn't he? It was unreal. Like, he went almost flat and then turned towards his back leg at the same time. It, would, it didn't make any sense why, but... Dude's like an F-14 cutting right to get out of a missile. Exactly. <laughs> And he'd been trained with Jackie Chan. <laughs> I don't know what. I uh, do. I was so calm too. I watched him for twenty minutes before he finally made his way into my shot. Oh man, like, that's worse. I'm, I'm calm. There's no shake. Hand right onto the trigger because I knew as soon as I stopped him, I was shooting. I was good. Yeah. So yeah, it was. Still is a little hard to accept because you know I did something similar last year, um, but I didn't stop the deer. And yeah. that was the big criticism I got was, hey, you need to stop that deer and then place your shot, try to time it on the move. You're always going to have a bad shot. And I'm like, that's the way I've always done it. I've been successful, but that didn't work out, so let me change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I stopped him, and you can just see his body. Like, when I watch it back, he just goes stiff. <laughs> wow. I was, so. I was just telling Stephen, I, I don't remember what month it was. I think it was, like, maybe October or something. Michael Waddell... <laughs> post a video about that same similar instance and they said that's why you always map a deer you know yeah. map get their head up because then they're not in the sprinter position they're not ready to exactly. go they gotta drop for it first and then you can you know aim for a heart shot he drops into a double lung shot that's what i was saying like if you watch and i'm able to do i haven't figured out how to do it yet where i can take a still image and kind of layer them on top of each other mm-hmm. where he started and then where my arrow ended up yeah the frame by frame that deer doesn't move until maybe the last like 15 20 feet of flight and then just hits the deck and turns on himself i'm like what just happened yeah it's so like, mind-blowing too shock. like i don't know what how much weight you're pulling or how fast your bow shoots but like 72 like my bow i got, I oh. got maxed out oh so you're oh. shooting super fast mm-hmm. and i got super light arrows mine are weighing it at like 370 holy cow oh yeah i had to because i got a short draw light so what i was losing in the draw weight or I'm sorry in the draw length I had to make up for with a lighter arrow and heavy poundage yeah. and that thing shoots lasers you know I have no problem target shooting wow. you, know, you put a doe in front of your mouth smoke that thing every time you put a <laughs> in front of me, I don't know what the hell happens <laughs> yeah that's crazy like I'm yeah. I'm pulling 70 my bow's like it now you know they're it's a bare legit 2020 so they, they're saying it pushes 315 plus yeah i've not had a deer duck an arrow or even come close <clears throat> but now my buck is the only one that's not been 23 yards my first two does were 23 yards and had no idea it was there 
I mapped them and they're like looking around the field behind them. So they never even looked at me and like I obliterated them. But the buck had no idea I was there because I was 40 yards away from him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's wild. And you know, I, what's your draw length? Like 27 or 28? 26 and a half. Holy wow. cow. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm only 5'5. Five five. You know, I'm not a big guy. So shorter draw length is something I've always struggled with. I've tried different releases. You know, I've tried a, a back tension. I've tried a thumb release just to kind of gain that extra half inch. But yeah. it never really made a difference. And I've always just been more comfortable with the trigger. And when I say trigger, I'm shooting hair trigger. If you breathe on that thing, it's going off. I don't even put my finger over it until I know I'm lined up because just the weight of my finger most of the time will surprise me with a shot, which I like. Right, that's a good thing. You know, and that's what you should go for because if you're trying to, you know, finger it like a like a trigger and a gun, you tend to torque more. You try to anticipate that. <clears throat> it's right. funny you said that. I'm the exact opposite. Really, you like to pull through the shot? Oh, I <clears throat> when I know when I get my pin on that deer. I throw my fucking finger back, and I, I I throw it back. I don't just you know slightly just pull it until it surprises me. Now you got me thinking. I I just throw that thing back, and it. That's how I've learned when I was practiced, yeah. like I, on targets. Well, they teach you to paint your face, you know. So you want to follow, you want to pull through that shot, and that's why I thought I would like a back tension or a thumb release because <clears> you have to do that motion. Right. But I, I found myself anticipating it and kind of pulling. And I did the same thing when I was in the military and we would shoot. If I held my finger on the trigger too long and didn't pull the trigger on my exhale, I tend to torque my shot. See, I do that. I know I do that. And that's why I try and eliminate it. And I just go. And I just. Yeah. I just. I, I want to say my release. And I'm shooting a, like a $50 uh, True Fire. You know, it's okay. just, just a regular yeah, run of the mill. True has got the curved. Yeah. Um, release, or I'm sorry, the trigger, like like a like a pistol mm-hmm. or something. Right. Yeah. 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 I want to say it's kind of hairpin, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it might just be a little heavier than a hairpin. But yeah. at the same time, like I don't like I'll you know I'll get to my anchor point where like you know I pull it back and I'll roll my index finger back knuckle to my earlobe right in that pressure point. That's where I like it. And that's where I'm comfortable. I'm like a 27 or 28 inch draw mm-hmm. and like after that I'm not thinking about my right hand at all I take all thought off my hand and my trigger oh, pull yeah. at all and, yeah. and then I, you know I work through my system you know alright put the you know put the pins on the deer okay now mm-hmm. next bounce my bubble alright now yeah. make sure the right pin is on the deer and where I need it at yeah. that point now it's breathing control myself and then the arrow just flies. I don't even know I pulled the trigger half the time. Yeah. Yeah. Which I do something similar when I go through the steps. It's always bubble, sight window, peep. And then once I'm back at the peep, I'm not looking at the sight anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm looking through the deer, and I can kind of see the, you know, my pin, because I shoot a single pin. I can see it on the deer, but I don't try to put it in a specific spot. I shoot through the deer. That makes a lot and of sense, actually. That's yeah, kind of what I did when I like you described the way you shoot, and I'm sorry, what your buddy named Steven? Yeah. All right, so Steve, you you shoot totally different. But yeah. That's the thing that I love about this sport. It's like right when you think you got something dialed in, you talk to somebody, and they give you a whole different way to approach it. <laughs> exactly. How your mind starts spinning, like, okay, exactly. what can I do to adjust? Should I change? And it could be a snowball effect into a bad area, 
or it could change everything for you in the positive. But it's it's just a constantly evolving thing based on who you're talking to and who you surround yourself would, with. This would be a very good topic for my buddy Jacob Lovejoy to be in on. He's okay. Uh, he let's put it this way: he's not a he's not, doesn't work at a bow shop. He's not a professional bow work worksman or whatever, but. When I need something done to my bow, he's who I take it to. I've never taken my bow to a professional shop ever. Wow. He works on it for me every time. He's worked on my girlfriend's this year also. But So, like, he's been good, telling good me. Job, she dropped a big one, too, huh? She, yeah, she got a good one this year. Like, it surprised yeah. me. Honestly, I didn't think she killed it. I thought she just wounded it when I first seen blood. <laughs> but, uh, you know, thank God for the, <clears throat> the broadheads I shoot because that's what saved the day on that. But, no, I, like... Jake's been telling me for like the last, like me and Jake, all the target and 3D shooting I did this summer, Jake was there with me every single time, giving me pointers, because he knows I'm just now getting back into the compound shooting. It's taken me since 2017 to get comfortable pulling a bow back like this because of my shoulder surgery again. Sure. And I mean, I played around with it a little bit with an older bow, but it just never felt comfortable, and I blamed the bow for being bad shot when it was just me, but... After I got this new bone, you know, things were a little smoother, release was better, let let off was way easier. I was like, all right, it was definitely me. And he's been giving me pointers, trying to coach me up and this and that. He's like, all right, dude, like when you can, you need to upgrade your bow, even though it's brand new, basically. You need a longer axle-to-axle bow. He's like... So much more forgiving. And if you can get yourself a little bit more on the brace height too, get out of that seven-inch spot, it is unreal how when you think you move when you think you're moving your hand when you're fully extended but you're resting with a loose grip mm-hmm. how much you feel like you're moving but visually you don't really move that much it's weird it's almost like shooting a really long or i'm sorry shooting it's like driving a really long car and you have to really turn that steering wheel before you get that front end to kind of come around it has that same similar huh. effect i really want to try it like mm-hmm. I think now don't quote me because I haven't held my bow in my hand for coming up on seven days now. So, uh, but don't quote me on it. I think my bow's axle to axle is like twenty nine thirty inches somewhere in there. It's not it's not real long. It's the bare legit. So it's like very yeah. tight compact bow. It's basically a beginner's bow. <laughs> However, I love it. It does great for me. Um, I've changed some things around on it. You know, I got a QAD drop away rest on it because I just like whisker biscuits to the end of the earth and back. But I like my fletchings to stay on my arrows. Yep. Um, but he's like, yeah, you need to get a longer, you need to get a longer bow axle axle. And then right about that time, Bear drops their Bear Execute 32s and 30s, yeah. and I'm like, all right, I'll get, I'll get one of those. Well. I'm gonna need to sell some stuff for that, but yeah, thirty. Inch. But he's telling me he's like, you're gonna be more comfortable with that, and he's like, I want you to try a back tension trigger here this summer. Also, he wanted me to do it in like late August, and I was like, not nah. close the season. To be yeah, that's exactly what I told him. I was like, I'm not changing. Feeling. I was like, yeah, I'm not changing nothing. I was like, yeah, there may be a for someone that's been shooting compound for years and years. That's plenty of time for them to get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Not for me because I'm just now getting back into the sport. I've been bow hunting for the last couple of years, but with a crossbow. Yeah. So I was like, that's just not enough time for me to get uncomfortable. Because I, I want to try the different releases, you know, the back tension and the thumb release. Because I want to see if they work better for me. But at the same time, you know, I grew up shooting guns. And the true fire trigger is very comfortable to me. It feels comfortable. It feels familiar. That's what I use. 
But then again, he also told me, he's like, if I, I want to stick with that, he thinks I ought to go to a Scots release. That's what I shoot, but the Scots doesn't have the rounded right. um, trigger. Mine is just a straight rod straight. that sticks out the side, so I can't kind of flex my finger onto it. Like I said, mine is really just resting the weight of my finger on top of it, and that's enough to send it. So I have to make sure when I'm pulling back, I put my pointer finger behind it, to push that forward to keep it locked on the string and until i do that bubble check sight deep window double check that finger does not come from behind that trigger because i know the second i lay it on it i have to be ready to go because it's it, it's gonna go you're right right oh, my bad i i really just ripped ass and that's bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of wish i was through the phone now <laughs> so yeah, that's that's wild. Your your draw length's twenty six and a half. You said. Yeah. Yeah, mine's, and I'm shooting a realm SS, so I think mine's thirty two or thirty three inch axle to axle. Okay. Wow, that is short. But it's rated at like three thirty three, thirty five. So, so Stephen, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking I'm right around. Stephen's a big dude. Hard, maybe like two ninety. Um, <laughs> Stephen's a big dude, so he he kind of like is bigger than both of us. Like you know, I'm five nine, five ten on a good day. My draw okay. is 27, 28. I think it's 27. Steven is the one that sold me my, my arrows I'm using right now, Gold Tip Hunter Pros. Mm-hmm. I had to get them cut down from 32 inches. Jesus. <laughs> I, so what are you shooting, Steve? Well, I shoot a uh, Bearer Authority. I'm good. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I think it only goes out cam? to... What's that? That's a single cam, right? I believe so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I technically need to shoot a 31 and a half inch draw length, but with the bare authority, it only goes out to 30. So I'm shooting 30 inch right now. And the guy told me at the bow shop when I got my strings all redone and all that, um, he was like, basically you have a 30 some inch draw length. And you're shooting 70 pounds. He said, whatever you hit, it's going to be getting hit by like a freight train. Oh, yeah. And he was like... You'd staple it to the ground. Yeah. And he was like, if you want, because I see you using, you know, 100 grain. He's like, if you bump it up to 125, Mm -hmm. whatever you hit, it's going to hit a little harder. Have some mercy. And uh, you will sacrifice a little... You know, feet per second because you're using sure. heavier. And he was like, but in all reality, you're pretty much not going to be sacrificing anything because you have 30 inch draw length and yeah. 70 pounds. Yeah, you already so. passed your set standard yeah. 29 inch draw, 70 pounds. Mm-hmm. So you've already passed your ATA standard where the most pros are rated at. So, yeah. Yeah, you got room to play with. Yeah, but so. You might gain from that as well. Beeping up the arrows, you're going to get a little bit more, you know, silence out of the shot. It yeah. dead in your shot a little bit more, which is good. Yeah. So, I mean, I was like, you know what? I'll sacrifice a little bit, hit a little harder, and that <laughs> that helped me with my doe I shot this year. Awesome. Yeah, I put a doe down. I dropped her right in the trap opening day with my son in the tree stand next to me. So How much are you? My confidence with time. My, you know, I, I, I've already done it this year. 10. And, like, I was just telling... uh 
Like you put a buck in front of me, I sit the bed. I don't, I don't know what's happening. It took me a long time not to do the same thing, and let, there's no guarantee I won't do it next year or if I come up to see you here soon, I won't do it too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've only killed one buck with a compound. That was the one what, you just shot. Fourteen days ago. So, yeah. yeah, probably longer. So you're still that. riding that high? Oh yeah, dude. Like <laughs> I, that's that's why I chose those pictures today to put the my story out and stuff. I was like, oh, dude, I just can't get enough to look at these pictures and like. He's such a unique buck because I've never seen a deer that old or that big of a rack just like only three points like that on one side with the height and mass to him. Yeah, yeah, he's a stud. He, he was a good buck. Now, I'll, I don't know if I sent you the picture earlier this week. I pulled a camera off one of the farms I got permission on. And what did we name him? Sherman. Sherman. There's a buck Sherman. me and Steven named Sherman because he's an absolute tank. And I'm hoping he makes through the gun season the rest of the year so I can get after him next year. Because I made a deal with my brother on this property. I was like, listen, you can kill any deer on this property you want. You leave that one alone. I was like, you wouldn't even have permission if I wouldn't have brought you out here. So you owe me. But if I haven't sent that picture to you, I'm going to have to. But this deer is a stud. I don't even know how many points. I don't know how many points he is. So i got to let you know. When you message me on Instagram, Instagram has been absolutely terrible to me as far as algorithm-wise. Like, I don't get likes, I don't get follows, I don't get crap from it yet. I and mean, I'm not super consistent. So TikTok's been, like, my go-to platform right now. Really? And then, uh, yeah. So if you want to get a hold of me, I felt bad. I looked back at the messages. I just had a company reach out to me I'm trying to work with. And I saw your message. I'm like, oh, crap, how'd I miss this? <laughs> I don't get notifications for some reason because I'm not on Instagram that much. Yeah. So we gotta get like regular phone numbers and do it like. I had your number. I just didn't know exactly where it was, so I had to scroll back through the Instagram messages to find it. But I did find it. Okay, cool. But yeah, I got your number saved now. Like this deer is just an absolute unit. Like, you ever seen a deer that big, Stephen? Pictures, yeah. One buck that we named Click Click. All right, let's send them to you text message. Send them to you. Um, text message now there's part of him that looks like a mule deer but he's a mainframe eight point from my gathering of the images now you know i'm I'm gonna need some more pictures of him to like completely verify that but as first initial pictures i'm like that's an eight point mainframe that's gonna go 170 180 jesus dude how cool would that be to put down a booner like dude you're getting back into this you're taking off of the podcast like that's just good karma. I mean, awesome. I would have shot an Ohio big buck last year. You know, the deer I killed last year, uh, Kurt Geyer from Working Class. Yeah. That big eight he just shot and tagged out on. He, I think he said it scored 150. He does net score. I, I don't believe in nets. but uh, So his scored like 150. My buck last year scored just an eighth inch shorter than that. Really? So, like, I, I was that close to scoring into the Ohio Big Buck Club, but I shot it with a crossbow. Crossbows don't count in that club. They don't? Mm-hmm. At least Zach says they don't. But I, I, I sent you those pictures on text message. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, he's got so much going on. That is insane. The only thing I'm sad about with that buck is his brow tines are so short. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> but they're split brow tines. <laughs> Who cares a shit? They would be... Six, eight inches tall. <laughs> I can tell you right now that buck walks. If in front he of makes you, it to next year, I cannot wait to see what he is. 
I can tell you right now, if he walks in front of me, you ain't going to care about brow tines. Oh, no. Fuck no. No, that deer walks in front of me, the first thing I'm going to have to worry about is my pants clean. Yeah, me falling out of the stand if it were me. Part. After the shot, I would be shaking so bad. Like, I'm shaking right now thinking about the opportunity I might get. I was shaking that when I shot that doe. <laughs> <laughs> but that deer's huge. Yeah, I, was, I was shaking when I saw that buck come out because I, I knew what he was going to do. Like, I just had that feeling. The way he came out, the way he looked, I'm like, oh, this one, this is going to be the one I shoot. And I've been staring at these half-rack bucks that I have around me right now, which I'm finding out has to be genetic. So I've got a half-rack, which would be a perfect eight, a half rack which would be a beautiful six and then i got this spike running around that's got like a 10 inch spike on one side and a little like thumb sized nub on the other damn but they all have the rack on the one side on the right side and their left side is a nub it's not broken dude so i'm just looking at three generations of deer with I, this genetic defect on their rack and it's frustrating i'm, I'm telling you like, what be cool Euro i'm telling you what I, i've had this weird dream to do for like the last three years i call them ducks because i i make the joke they're half buck half doe but i really want a euro a duck and i almost shot one like two hours before i shot my buck this year if i come up here i'll take one of those suckers off your off you if i can see one of this either that six or that eight come through I said that'd be a perfect starter buck for me it would get the nerves out and it would be a sweet looking euro mount I mentioned like yeah dude like i would i would easily shoot a half rack no questions like i i remember saying to myself i mean this half rack i seen two hours before i killed my buck he caught me i was getting ready to play video games on my phone not gonna lie he caught me i looked up 50 yards and there he was just staring at me he walked away and i remember saying to myself yeah it's probably better for your health to walk away because there's something about a duck that i just really want to put him down i was yeah. like you, you come any closer i'm probably gonna shoot you and he was a clean... Everybody wants a drop tine or a crab claw or something. It's like a half rack, I feel like, is just as unique right. and cool, especially when you know it's a genetic defect. Like, it's not like he broke off when he's fighting or something, and you're like, damn, I'm going to wait till he's full. You know, that's just what that deer is going to look like. Right. So, Stephen just had me send pictures to you. What are those? Is that click-click? Yeah, that's click-click. So, the next three pictures are click-click. Okay. <clears throat> That's a big So game. those pictures were I guess Oh my god. Yeah, we got those pictures of that deer the next year. So he was a lot bigger than that. I, I wanna say that Is he dead yet? I don't know. I would imagine. Um that sucks. He was probably um I would say around one eighty after the year after those pictures were taken. And <clears throat> we nicknamed him Click Click. Because one of the guys that was hunting out there, he had that buck click click at 20 yards in gun season on, and he was using a 4570. And on a Marlin 4570, you can pull the hammer back, but if you have the safety on, you can pull the trigger and that hammer will fly forward. It just won't go all the way to obviously where you can shoot. So. This guy has his adrenaline's pumping. He's got buck fever, obviously. So he pulls a hammer back. He pulls a trigger. That hammer flies forward. Click. And so the guy's thinking, uh, Damn it, I forgot to uh, rack around in. 
So he, he throws that lever forward. His bullet goes flying out. Oh, puts man. another in. Pulls the hammer back. Well, the hammer's already cocked back. And he pulls the trigger. Click. He forgot to take the safety off. Where's the safety located on one of those? Is it like a thumb safety or is it on top underneath oh, the hammer? Index finger. It's you, you, you pull it, obviously the uh, hammer back with your thumb. Yeah. And just like an inch forward. You just so he didn't think to check that between first and second round. <laughs> nope. Wow. I would give him a lot of crap for that. <laughs> like, it was in, at, in a playful manner because I'd probably do the same thing. But. It was after that that no one has ever seen Click Click again. How old do you think Click Click was last year? Well, those pictures were from like 2016 or something like that. Oh, when wow. did that yeah, happen? It 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 probably would have been 2017. That that click click name happened. Yeah. Yeah, that dude's probably dead because he he's looked either, like three years old in those he, pictures. I, he, I wouldn't say he's that old in that. Yeah, those pictures. You don't think so? I wouldn't say he's like. I I would say no more than three or so. Um, but. I mean, he still looks young, though. Right, the, his, the way on that side I, profile, his face, maybe? the side profile looks like he's getting the beginnings of a Roman nose, in which, in my experience of what I've learned and seen and heard in different shows and stuff, genetics, is though. it could be. But a lot of times, Roman nose comes from like four year old or up. It could be yeah, when they start getting that triangle head. He, it's yeah. hard to tell because of those pictures, he's but cool looking, though. oh yeah, that picture makes him look young. I know, yeah. But his belt, he's got a hell of a shoulder dip. What's that? I'm going to send you a link right now. This is the biggest deer that I've ever seen on camera. And he came through the day before opener when I went up north. And he came through at like 2.30 in the morning. Never seen him again. And for the area that I hunt, like I would have to show you guys on Google Maps. You guys would be shocked to see like the type of area that I'm hunting. And like I said last time, I can't go into too much detail. Um... But the spot that I'm hunting shouldn't hold deer of this caliber. It just it's it doesn't make sense. But I sent you that link. Check that thing out. Yeah, we're we're looking at it. Like this. Okay, you guys got bigger deer. I'll admit that. But this guy's an absolute monster. dude. He's got a lot of character to him. I like him. Man, that that's a cool deer. Big body on him. The rack is just like I, every time I look at it, I see more points. And you haven't oh, yeah. you haven't seen him since that day. Just that one video. Wow. Is that like one of your yeah. normal spots? That's, so that camera right there picking up, that's in the same spot. If you watch the video that I just did with that buck that I just shot. That was from one year That's after. the same camera. It's just kind of angled a little bit more to the right before I put the scrape up. It looks like the same deer. So, let me ask you this. When was that video? That was... The opener was October 1st. That's this so that year? Really, yeah, that was this year. That was the day before the opener. Huh. And you haven't seen him since. Um, my suggestion would be, you know, go back in on Google or wherever, whatever web page you use and uh, check out what wind direction was going on that night. Mm-hmm. And then that could be your starting point to try and figure out those puzzle pieces because unless he's been killed in the gun season more than likely he's still alive yeah so he could be lingering in one of those areas because you know cameras don't tell the full story oh yeah so he could still be there another year wow steven shows me pictures of year to year bucks and like they're the glow-ups are crazy 
<laughs> but uh, so you know, he could still be in that area, just rolling behind. Because bigger the deer is, the smarter he is. And my dad, my I, I now I'll give my dad credit. He's probably a little naive in the fact that like I showed him Sherman and told him I was like, I hope he makes it to the gun season. My dad's like, well, if he's that big and that old, he's gonna be smart enough to make it. And I was like, well, not always. Well, yeah, not always. Because you know, everyone makes mistakes, and it's the time of year for big bucks to make mistakes because you know they're coming off the does, they're getting ready to go into post rut and rebuilding phase. They're going to be on food sources like crazy coming up, so it's going to be pretty easy to catch one making a mistake. Well, you you would think so, but after the gun season I had. You'd hunt the fields and you wouldn't see well, shit only does. Right, it depends but on pressure and stuff. Pressure, yeah. Everyone's shooting around you. Those bucks aren't going to be moving during the daytime. My main property is not going to be worth anything the rest of the year. So yeah. I'm pretty much going to pull my camera, my stand, my blind, and go set it somewhere else. Yeah, I'd be hunting thick timber right because now. Because I had the option. So like I said, the area that I'm at, it's extremely limited. I have permission to hunt um, a local property and the way that it's tied in i'm sandwiched between a whole bunch of urban uh areas is it the one you told me about yeah okay so i have to be very careful about how i position myself because there's certain areas that deer can't run or i won't be able to retrieve them or right i could be knocking on someone's door to like pull it out of the front yard kind of thing (laughs) right so but at the um, same time those deer could also be used to more pressure, quote-unquote, so oh, to speak. I, I play that to my advantage all the time. Like, I've seen it, just the way that they act, yeah. things that I'm able to get away with in the stand. I'm like, God, I'm so glad there's so much ambient noise around so, here. You know, trains, church bells, vehicles, construction workers. Like, it's all there. What's, mm-hmm. what's it called? Oh, Seek One. Seek One, I don't know what year it was or what season it was. They put out a, uh, what, like a... I, I'm a like a, a a seminar. Let's call it on what they do. Are, are you familiar with Seek One? I'm not. I know I've heard them. So they hunt literally yeah, urban hunting community. Literally yeah, downtown Atlanta. Like right. They put a seminar out and how they get permission to hunt these properties, like word for word, what they say, what they do, and how they explain it. That might be something to check into for that that spot. You know what I mean? Maybe expand, you'll get a better area. If not hunting, maybe to put a camera out for monitoring. Yeah. That, that's something to think about. I, I, like, I, you know, I like watching their show because it's, it's very entertaining. But I've, I've really sat and thought about that type of hunting. That's not for me. I cannot urban hunt. I like, yeah. For me, it's it's more convenient having the three kids and oh yeah, like your your circumstances are different than mine, right? But yeah. for like what I've you know I've grown up on the major agriculture heavy timber of southeastern Ohio or northeastern. I guess we're central Ohio. I don't I don't know where the hell we're northeast. at. Well, I don't know where Carrollton is, but Tusk County is we're, northeast. Well, Carroll County is a little further south than yeah. Tusk I, I still think it's northeast though. But yeah, it, it you know. We're an hour and 15 minutes west of Pittsburgh. And it's totally different once you cross that state line. It's totally different hunting, which is so weird. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I hunted up uh, this year. I stayed at my buddy's house at basically the west southwest part of Toledo. And it took me about 30 minutes to get to the state line. 
Hillsendale County and the one right next to it on the left. You know what I'm talking about? Those those counties ring a bell. Are you talking to me or Stephen? Because I have no idea. You. So it's it's on the Ohio Michigan line, Hillsendale County, Jesus. and the one on the left. Like I forget the one on the left's name of it, but so that that's the area I've been hunting this year in Michigan: turkey and deer. One hundred ninety nine bucks for what? That master class. Oh man, that's My God, expensive. That's very expensive. He, they didn't mention any price on their YouTube. Oh, they charge for that Seek One class? Yeah, yeah, that's what Stephen just found. It's like two hundred bucks. <clears throat> it's definitely good advertising, but you know, seeing a price tag of like two hundred bucks, it's like ooh. a hell no. Right? Like it says eight eight plus hours of exclusive podcast audio. Learn how we locate pattern giant urban deer. Word for word permission, but. <laughs> Shit, in my opinion, I ain't paying two hundred dollars. I don't need to learn how to pattern deer. <laughs> exactly. Start knocking on doors and just you know. Right, like I do know a little inside tip of what they do is they explain management and because they're in an urban area, they play the well. If you let me come in and hunt these deer, you know I can take out some does and I can shoot the big deer I'm after, but I can shoot some does for you. Then you ain't hitting them with your car. I know they play that card a lot. You know, that was my proposition. Was like, hey, we've already had three deer hit on the road. Yeah, I you remember know, you told me that. Um, we can go ahead and do this, and they were like, well, everything we plant out in this area, it takes two days. They find it, they eat it, so they cost us money. And then just looking at the way it's situated, there's just too many deer for this small area. Yeah. yeah. So, and then I get to donate the meat. They help me facilitate finding people that need it, and it's like I get to help the community at the same time. So, when does your season end? January first. That's what I thought. Yeah, um, so I got a month. Like, what? February? I tell you, you know, I'm not, I'm not like trying to insert myself or anything like that. But like, you know, if I come up and whatnot, because Michigan, even a non-resident, the tag I have is legal for does. Also, correct? I, I don't know. I've never done any out of season hunting. That's I don't, I don't have it on me. Offering, and I'm like, I might have to research this. But I believe because it's not like. Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania specifically tells you you can only shoot a buck and you have to apply for doe tags. Right. So I've eaten tag soup in Pennsylvania already this year. I've kind of given up. Their season ends in seven days. But Michigan, I it did not say anything about that. I've kind of looked it up, but it didn't. It wasn't very informative. Um, it just kind of told me what dates were what. But at the same time, you know, if I come up and you know spend a weekend with you up there. It comes down to the last day, dude. I'm not afraid to shoot a doe, you know, help you thin that doe population down and try and let those if bucks I could get walk bigger. Back into this area, I would. We can walk there to, like, show you. Yeah. But if the, the people I got permission from catch me with anybody else back there, they already said that that would be a done deal. Right. No, I don't I don't want to ruin anything for you. So, like, I, I, all my buddies are the same thing. Like, dude, let's just, like, you see them on one side, I'm on the other, and communicate. I was like, I wish, I wish this was my property. I would totally do that because it would help so much with just reconnaissance and two sets of eyes. Right. You know, but right, yeah, I'm not trying to hurt nothing right. for you up there because you know, just from learning from the podcast, I've heard about Michigan and Pennsylvania is they're similar hunting. Now Michigan has bigger deer in PA, from what I've been the way I understand it, but they're both very pressured states. Yeah. Yeah. And it's surprising that they're pressured <clears throat> more than Ohio because Ohio produces bigger deer, in my opinion. Yeah, I 
think a lot of it was, and I'm, I'm just guessing here because of the spots that I've been through in Ohio, I see just a lot of open, like, fields, farmlands, flat. Yeah. These deer, you got to hunt the field edges if you're bow hunting. You know what I mean? You're obviously not sitting in the middle of an open field. Right. So I think these deer are able to get out, they get exposed, and then come gun season, they're just shot at constantly. Oh, they are. So oh, like, I can't imagine how bad it is. It's state all the time. I can't imagine how bad it is up in northwestern Ohio, uh, like yeah. Toledo, uh, Lima area, where it's just flat for days. You can watch your dog run away for two weeks type area. Because yeah. down here, now that area up there is the reason Ohio has a straight wall cartridge rifle limit. Yeah. Down here, three mile bullets. <laughs> right. Down here, it does not make much difference because there's so many hills and haulers and stuff right here. Because we're, this is more into the Appalachian Mountains than. Like, that's outside of the Appalachian Mountains up there. Down here, we're still in the mountains, kind of. Like, it don't seem like mountains around here, but by technical definition, we are in the Appalachian Mountains. Um, Me and my buddies call it Appalachistan. But uh, the deer hunting around here, it's not very hard to figure out how you need to hunt. The hardest part is figuring out what you need to do per, like, your deer herd. Like, I figured out my property I've hunted for the last four years pretty easily. Yeah. The new property that I just got mid-season this year, still working on it, but I've kind of got it narrowed down. So, like, there's agriculture, there's feeding areas, and then you got your timber, and you get your thickets. Your thickets are typically your bedding areas, your timber's typically your transition zones, and your field edges and your fields are typically your feeding zones. Now, you know, there's yeah, there's exceptions to that because you got heavy timber where you got acorns big dropping big like crazy. Now you got a feeding area there. So that's a late season thing you got to keep in mind. Well, when the acorns yeah. are dropping, they ain't even touching the fields. They're, right. they're eating they the acorns all day. For a, while. a lot of people don't realize that. Fresh acorns are bitter. They're not going <clears> to touch those things. Yeah. Right. And that that's a, that's a wild part about, like, this area, like, my buddy Lane, who lives up in Toledo, the guy's house I stayed at whenever I was up there hunting turkey and deer up there the first time, he's, he's like, yeah, I've tried to find places to hunt up here, dude. It's just almost impossible to find a good spot because it's either way too pressured, like three hunters to an acre, or you're just not seeing nothing. I was like, man, that's, that's tough because I'm sitting down here, you know, I'm very fortunate. I've got about 700 acres to hunt. Jesus. Of private land. So, I'm very fortunate. You know, I'm not opposed to go hit public land. And for my buddies, I'm like, Stephen here, he, he wants to shoot a buck. If I can't get him onto one of my properties I have permission on, I'm like, dude, I'm about to hit the public land. I'm about yeah, to do major scouting and get you on a deer. Yeah. I'm all skeptical on the public because I've been shot at during gun season. Oh, I got shot at yeah, a private I, this year. You can't, you won't catch me in the woods here in Michigan either. We make sure that our annual hunt up north on public land is before the fifteenth of November because there's just it's too much, yeah. right? Too many people in there. Just it's not worth it. You wear all the orange you want. I'm. You're still getting just, shot at. <laughs> I'm not. It's an orange here. deer. <laughs> I got shot at during low season down here already this year on private like private land. Someone was road hunting. Didn't know I was in the field. I watched the deer cross in front of me at 60 yards. They were way too far for me to shoot. And they were a doe and a fawn. They went out in this field. And then like 30 minutes later, 
I hear four or five shots bang off real fast. They're not real hard percussion, so it's not. An, I know it's not a rifle. They're fast, they're quick, and they're like a loud pop and done. So I'm like, that's a handgun. Yeah. What the hell? My buddy, Zach, he's got the permission for that field in the field across the road. I've got the permission for the woods behind that field, no cross. So Zach's in the woods across the road. He calls me immediately. He goes, did you see their license plate? And I was like, I'm 350 yards from the road. No, I didn't see their license plate. I think I got a vehicle description, though. He's like, all right, I think I do, too. So he came out. He told me his description of it. I told him mine. It kind of matched up. We called the game warden. Well, come to find out, the game warden actually arrested someone down there this year. It was the game warden who shot. So, like, I, I let the game warden know. I was I was pretty heated that day. I didn't check my emotions at the door whenever he was on the phone, speaker phone. Like, I let the game warden know. I was like, listen, if you don't get down here and catch him and I catch him, you ain't going to be the person that's getting called. It's going to be it's going to be dudes in blue. Because I was like, I'm not I'm not thrilled about being in a tree stand and they're shooting into a a field that deer crossed 60 yards in front of me. At the right angle, they're shooting at me. Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't real thrilled about that. I was like, dude, I'll, I'll come down here with my 7.62 and just start capping every vehicle that walks by. <laughs> I got a buddy who just called me the other day. We're catching up. He's asking how I'm doing. And he's like, you know, giving me some crap about missing the buck. He's like, are you just out there just maiming deer? And I was like, no, obviously not. You know, still trying to process it. He's like, I'm just busting balls. He's like, uh, and then we started talking about stories, and he's telling me about, uh, I used to live in Virginia, and I guess the deer push is like a, a really common way for these guys to take deer during rifle season. Okay. So he's sitting on a field edge, and he can hear the vehicles pull up, he can hear the guys yelling, and then these deer come busting out in the field, and they're on the other side of this tree line just letting it go. Oh, he's hell like, no. I've never hit the deck so quick in my life. Oh, <laughs> terrifying like i've been on public land and i've had bbs hit my head from like pheasant releases where it's infested with hunters and i've Jeez. been pissed and yelled at people for that but like i was lucky it was just bird shot and i was 100 yards away <laughs> get a little right. deer slug in there but <laughs> no dude i ain't playing around with no deer slugs Bug like I, I don't i don't go on public land during gun season oh, i just no. refuse to do it i don't even go on my main property during gun season because there's amish that have permission to hunt there also like 14 of them i believe and oh, I've heard some stories about Amish hunters. Oh, oh God. Any rumors, but I heard they go in there and they do some. I, just for sake of, I don't know if the property owner listens to it, this podcast or her son. I'm not going to go into any detail. I can message you and talk to you about it all day off the podcast. But, I mean, but, she knows my thoughts on the Amish. But. but Yeah, but what I can tell you is, at least from around me, they, they you take the phrase, if it's brown, it's down. They take it literally. If yeah. you... They'll shoot your dog. They will ground. shoot, you know, a deer that has, if it ever even has spots on it, it, it's getting shot. They don't care. Yeah. They they really don't. I've heard stories of guys hunting, like, from where I'm at. Uh, he's, he watched, like, Amish pull up. They get out of the white van, all load up, walk into the woods. And he, he was watching this. And it's he said it was about 10 Amish there. They pushed one little spot of woods. One deer came out, and they all fired on it. Oh, my wow. gosh. What, are they trying to make, <laughs> See, like, a different type of Swiss too, cheese? Like, you got to take in consideration. A lot of these guys, especially the Amish community, we know they're hunting for food. Right. So I don't, I don't know if I'm considering that hunting. I'm considering more harvesting. Yeah. So it's yeah. more of 
these guys are just trying to fill the freezer. You know what I mean? So it's, I don't have the same perspective as I do like me or you or Steve, you going up there and taking a deer. Like you ever shot something in, in spots and I'm giving you hell forever. Oh yeah. oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I mean, I'm not. Like I'm that, not that bad. Like these guys are hunting to live and survive through the season, so they're just packing freezers to feed everybody. It's like, right? Kind of understand, but it's so, being around it. Along those same lines, me and my buddy Lane have very similar terms when it comes to this. I don't know how Stephen or you will feel about it, but now I'm not saying I condone it or I'm promoting it. I'd rather people not do it. But this is my thoughts on it, and it's coming down to poaching. I feel like there's two different types of poaching. There's poaching for horns, which at that point you're an asshole, and I wish nothing but flat tires in your life and nails. And then there's, I got to feed my family, and I don't have time to hunt during the day. All right, dude, yeah. do you? I, I understand what you're doing. You're not wasting what you're shooting. I don't yeah. like how you're doing it, but I get it. Yeah. And that yeah, that's they just, me. They just don't have the luxury of being picky. You know, they get a couple days and maybe make it happen, and you're feeding your family, you're using that meat. I mean, right. And like you, you said, you have your own personal opinion on it, but I, I get it. Right. And you said you you donate meat as much as you possibly can, right? Mm -hmm. I have taken on to that effect also this year since I've killed multiple deer for the first time in my hunting career. I've killed three deer. Now, my buck, I donated all of that meat except for the heart. I kept the heart. I, I really like eating a heart, so I keep the heart Heart's to the deer I kill. Heart is good. But I donated the heart. My buddy, I forgot about it, and my buddy Zach last night, team member Zach, he, uh, he reminded me about it, excuse me, last night. He's like, yeah, Jake's fridge, it went out, and he threw all, way, all his meat away. No. I didn't remember that when I shot my deer. But I had texted Jake and told him, because he told me that, that morning, he's like, dude, November 14th is a special day. And then I go out there and I kill a buck with my compound. So I'm like, you're right, special day. And he's like, what are you going to do with it? And I was like, well, I gave the second doe I shot this year away to one of my buddies already to fill his freezer. I was like, I, I'm probably going to, because he works at a meat cutting shop. I was like, I'm probably going to bring it to your work with a tag number and information on it and just donate them and then have my, the head cut off and I'm a year amount to head. He's like, well, if you're gonna do that, why don't you just bring it to me? I'll I'll keep to me because he's like, whatever doesn't get taken at work, I take anyways. He's like, just bring it to me. I'll I'll skin it, I'll butcher it myself and this and that. And I'm like, if you want it, you can have it, dude. So I took it over to him, and you know, it, I don't know what that deer weighed. Probably grossed out or dressed out. Probably like 180. He wasn't the biggest deer I've ever killed. But yeah. he was, like, not even body size. Like, obviously not biggest horn size. But body size, like, I think I've killed a doe bigger than him. But Yeah. But you're putting 80 to 100 pounds of meat after he's all cleaned up. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was one of my goals coming into the season. I was like, I want to fill my freezer. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to pay it forward. Well, I get to enjoy what like, I like to do. I want to pay it forward and fill other people's freezers. Now, my goal coming into the season, it's apparent to me I'm not going to complete the goal is I want to kill eight deer this year. That's one in Michigan, one in PA, six in Ohio. The Ohio and PA are, or Ohio and Michigan are still on the table. However, Michigan's starting to get cloudy, right? Ohio, I can still get done. I got till February to do that. 
Oh, wow. Well, not necessarily. Actually, I got about early. seven days to fill Ohio's tags. Early February. Unless I'm on the one property and I'm bow hunting for does. <clears throat> Me and Steven talked about it earlier. The farmer doesn't care what they are. He wants deer off. He wants some does killed no matter what because they destroyed yeah. his corn this year. That's the only farm I'm willing to kill pregnant deer in. Everywhere else, I got seven days and I'm done killing does. Yeah. So... You know, I'm, I'm hoping I can get a chance at a deer, buck or doe, up in Michigan. Or, you know, I'm not afraid to eat tag soup. It is what it is. But I got the experience, and I'm going to get another Michigan tag coming up. So, I'll be yeah. I'll definitely be back. But Ohio, I still have an opportunity to fill them six tags. And every deer I've killed since my first doe this year is getting donated to somebody. That's so, cool. it's, it's not like I'm wasting these deer. Yeah, you know, I'm not eating them myself, but... Whoever needs the meat and has let me know, I'm, I'm sending it to them. If they can't butcher it, they can't afford to get it butchered, I know how to butcher them. I'll take care of it. I'll get it packaged. I'll put it in a fr- cooler. I'll deliver it. You know, that That's where I'm at. Because, I mean, you and me talked about this last podcast we were on together. It's like my love for hunting and stuff is like sometimes the beginning of love for hunting can be someone passing it on a goodwill to you. I'm giving say Stevens never hunted before I give him a cooler full of deer meat that he lives on for whatever amount of time it takes him to eat right at that point in time he likes the deer he understands it tastes really good it's very healthy for him now he wants to do it right yeah so now I just got another person into the sport or I don't really like calling it a sport the past pastime lifestyle right lifestyle that's even better word for it lifestyle it's an obsession yeah it really is dude yeah expensive one no yeah, doubt so like that that's that's where i'm coming from it like it's another way of getting things out too and that reminds me i haven't even talked to steven about it i've talked to my buddy joe who's a member of grindstone but i want to bring it to you also because i think you'd be a good fit for it and you might have an idea how to make it come to life so okay. i'll message you after this podcast i'll bring steven in on it also um, but at the moment, everybody else in Grindstone is going to stay in the dark on it until we figure out how to make it a real thing. Okay. Um, but it's something I think you'll be 100% in on, um, and it's it's a way of giving back. Okay. But, yeah. Well, the way I look at it, too, I, is, I didn't know this uh, statistic until this year. There's only 5% of the population actually hunts. So we make up such a small, unique group of people. Like, I feel like it feels bigger because we associate with people like-minded and do the things that we love. So it feels like that that group is a lot bigger than what it is. But we make up a really small group, you know, when you're looking at it as a whole. So that's a very unique skill that we possess, to go out there and harvest the way that we do. That's wild. So to be able to do that and be able to give back to people and provide meat in a sense that they can't ever get any other way, dude, it's it's so awesome. That's that's wild. I yeah. never knew it was only 5%. It definitely 5% feels like a lot of the more. population in the U.S. contributes to the hunting population. Hell, I think Pennsylvania takes up most of that. <laughs> <laughs> The, the Amish are about 3% in Ohio. Do they even count? Most of the Amish probably don't even buy tags. Probably not. I mean, I'm not... No, I, I want to clarify this. You know, this is Grindstone's podcast. I want to clarify this. I'm not hating on every single Amish person out there. Now, I no, doubt no. that an Amish person's ever going to hear any of these. Yeah. However, 
<laughs> I'm not yeah, hating on the Amish population. On, clarify, clear this up for us. Give us some background. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not hating on all the Amish. Yeah. So I ain't either. I worked for you know Zach Blake. He's a member of Grindstone. He's on the team. You know he he's my best friend from middle school, high school, whatever. Best friends. We're in his garage right now. He's not even here. His dad gave me a job whenever I was in college to help me get by before I went back to school. And it, he's got a fence building company, uh, which shout out to Seven Springs Fencing. If you need fencing built and you in the tri-state area, First give him a call. <laughs> I don't have his number, so you'll have to Google it. But I mean, I have Mike's number, but I'm not giving that out on podcast. Um, so I'm working for Mike. His foreman is Amish. I'm not going to say his name because, you know, they. I've, I've heard it, stories of church leaders checking and getting people in trouble. So I'm not going to say his name. This dude, I will never work for again. I can't keep up with him, and I can keep up with the best of them and work because I just don't know how to quit, and I will run my body to the dirt. I can't keep up with this guy, so I'll never work for him again. But when he calls me and he's not working, he says, hey, come drink some beer. I'm there in a heartbeat. The dude is such a good, genuine guy. His boys are good, hardworking boys. He's a great guy, and he's Amish. So I'm not saying all Amish are bad people. No. Yeah. The Amish, and like I said earlier, I'm not going to get into specifics about it because of I don't know whether the landowner's listening, and I'm not trying to, you know, throw heated arguments or whatever. She knows my complaints with them. It, but those are the guys I have issues with. It's the guys that I have that come down. They drive woods during gun season. They see an orange vest. And they don't care. They walk right up on it. Yeah. That bothers me. That's not safe. I don't feel safe around that. And when I don't feel safe, I get angry. And yeah. when, when I get angry, things bad things tend to happen for me and the other person. <laughs> so those kind of Amish right there, the brown is down. Now, if you're feeding your family during gun season, I'm kind of expecting you to only hunt during gun season, right? Yeah. If your brown is down and you're during bow season, okay, you need to reevaluate how you're hunting because you're not just hunting to feed your family. You're ruining a, a herd to 10, 20 years from now, that herd's not going to be in that location. You're not sure. going to see any deer, let alone any big bucks. And so, like, bottom line is this for me on Amish. You need to learn who you who they are, what they're about. Because there's plenty of good Amish. That Like, some of the greatest people I've ever met have been Amish. Mm-hmm. Like, good natured. You need help, they're there. If you are, like, the guy I, I was talking about that I work for and I won't work for again, he knows that I'm not the most financially stable. He'll help me out even though he's not in the best place a lot of times. Yeah. He'll be like, hey, I need hold X, Y, or Z. He'll call me and be like, hey, I'll, I'll pay for your gas, I'll buy you dinner, whatnot, and I'll pay you. And... Now a lot of time I turn his money away because, you know, I, I consider him a friend, so I'll do it for free. But a lot of times he tries to pay me, and he understands that he's helping me out. So whenever he calls and asks me for a helping hand, I'm there helping him just like he's Zach Blake. You know what I mean? My, my buddy whose house we're in. So it, 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 you just got to learn who the Amish you're working with because there's not every bad Amish. Now there are – the Amish I talk about and talk shit about are – Douchebags that don't care that you're there, they'll shoot over your head at the deer you're getting lined up on. Those kind of dudes, like, nah. 
I don't want to be near you. I don't want to know you. I don't even know. Is there much of an Amish population up there in Michigan? Uh, I know there is. I don't know if it's very big or if it's, you know, spread out and it's just small communities. Is but it? We went, um, our dog that we have, he's a frog. He's a French bulldog, pug mix. I drove to Ohio to pick him up. It was about a four-hour drive. I can't even tell you what city he was in. But it was the Amish community, and I didn't know this. So I'm driving through these hills, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is a different Ohio than I've ever seen. And I'm, like, telling my wife, I'm like, this looks like a damn calendar in the fall. This is crazy. It's gorgeous. And I get up to this area, and I'm driving down, like, a horse carriage road in my full-size truck. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be down here, but this is where it's taking me. So I go, I get up to the farm, and this guy comes out. I call him and text him. He's like, I'll be there in a second. He comes out. It's the Amish dude. And he's got the dog out on the grass. And he was going through, like, everything they do. This was the cleanest, most well-taken-care-of farm I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen dogs, like, cared for that are bred the way that this farm did it. Right. It was unreal. And the guy had this massive buck mounted inside his house. And I was asking him, about it. he's like, yeah, I took that with the recurve last year. And I was just, like, in total awe and admiration. Wow. And I was, like, giving the guy all the props in the world. He's like, yeah, that was definitely a cool moment. So we got talking about it, but they're super passionate about hunting. That's that's wild. Yeah. But at the same time, that guy seems like a pretty good guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a really cool guy. I know Stephen hasn't had much good influence from Amish. Hell no. <laughs> same thing as what he, Zach's been saying. Yeah. You just got those pricks that do whatever they want. If they're there... They're going to do whatever to get a deer. I will say the Amish guys I have issues with, they're not from Carroll County, where I'm from originally or where I hunt. They are from, like, Youngstown area. So they drive quite a ways to get down here. And that alone tells me, like, they're, you know. They're They're, they're on a mission. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're on a mission. They don't care. And, like, I'll, I'll text you one word right now and let you know why they bother me so much and you're gonna you're gonna probably question it but at the same time you'll probably understand it so are there any bows that you guys saw this year that are coming out that you guys are like yeah i'm thinking about that because i mean steve you said you're talking about you're kind of maxing out your draw length yeah that you need to be like looking at 32 inches probably something different Well, the problem is, I'd like to get a Matthews, but you know, you're going to pay an arm and a leg, and there's Dude, probably a saw around here. I'd the cut them off. Flagships? Did you see the prices this year? You're talking seventeen hundred dollars. Yeah, for a bare bow. The the bear the bear execute thirty two starts at fourteen hundred. Yeah, that's yeah. a little ridiculous. I'm not going to lie. I tried to get a discount on that. Uh, bear put out a promotion a while ago on Facebook and Instagram about. Uh, uh, being field staff members, pro staff members, I definitely I applied for that just so I could get a discount on one of those bows. <laughs> it yeah. did not work, but it was worth a try. So I'm, partial, I'm partial to Bowtech. I've always, pretty much always shot a Bowtech. My first bow was a PSE, and then the second I traded that in, I've never left um, between Diamond and Bowtech. That's all I've ever shot. So my buddy... But- who just got into bow hunting i brought him up here once this year he's just like he's we were good friends in college he was a running back at the time he come into muskingum i wasn't allowed to play football anymore 
Um, but we, we were good friends in college. And then after college, he started messaging me about deer hunting and this and that. Especially once I started grindstone, he was messaging me a lot. I got him into it. He, he came up hunting a couple weeks ago, used a cro- crossbow for, that I had. But he since said he makes good money. He he bought a bow. He bought a Bowtech, and he said he yeah. loves it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm partial to them. I love that they support the military. Guys that were deployed, that were bow hunters in the military, they would ship bows over to Afghanistan and Iraq so these guys could shoot and maintain. And I've heard stories about guys dropping their bow from the stand or something happening, and they contact Bowtech as long as it's a warranty bow. They'll send it to a P.O. box and have you like either pick it up at a shop or contact a local shop that can get you in and get you set up like they're truly there for the hunter as far as i'm concerned i've, I've never had That's anything awesome. but great interactions with the company yeah but the one thing i was trying to get to was as, as partial as i am to botex i went and i shot a bunch of different bows and uh one of my favorite ones i'd ever shot was a bear arena and i think it's maybe like a an 18 or 19 okay but if you haven't looked at that i'm telling you right now that bow felt amazing to shoot i loved it and i was this close from switching so when i come up and stuff um i'll have to get with you and figure out what part of michigan you're in uh we, we obviously don't want to say that on the podcast um but i'll be digging on onyx like i always do but I'll let you shoot my bear. Uh, now it's an inch longer draw, probably or half inch longer draw than what yours is, right. but it'll be close enough that you could probably figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that bow. It's so smooth. Now it's not the quietest bow. I think yep. that's probably because of it being used. It took me oh probably nine months before I got a case for it. And it's a soft case, so it's still get like I had to recite my bow three times this summer because they got bounced around get a little bit. Around. Right, and it's just a trophy rich four pinner, but mm-hmm. yeah, like not when when I come up, I'll I'll let you shoot that sucker. And yeah, no, I'm not trying to convince you to go to bear because you know honestly. Oh, you don't have to. There's there's a when there's I a bow in every lineup from every brand. I'm telling you right now, if you shot it, you'd fall in love with it. Yeah, it, it's just what you're partial to. It's like a car. Yeah, yeah I mean everything that's made now is made at such a high standard and it goes through such a like rigorous testing that I mean you really can't go wrong, especially when you start getting into flagships. I mean you're talking cream of the crop from every brand. You cannot tell me that the new Foyt RX-7 is trash compared to this new Phase 4 that Matthews came out. I don't give a shit what you say. You're in love with the brand, and you're not being impartial because it's still a brand-new bow with the latest technology. They all shoot amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. 100%, dude. Yeah. I 100% agree with you. Like I've, I, I've not shot a Hoyt since I sold my last one, and my last one wasn't a Hoyt name. It was made by Hoyt, but it was called a Grizzly Reflex. So that that's a 2008 bow, I believe. So it, it, they discontinue that grizzlies aren't made anymore. Yeah. But my girlfriend shoots a Hoyt. Now, when I started looking at bows and stuff, I was looking at everything, this and that. And what sold me on the bear was it was affordable. Like I said, probably a starter bow when I bought. But yeah. the let off, you know, I said I had sh- shoulder surgery. The let off was the most important part of the bow for me because I can't hold eighty and eighty five percent let off. I can't hold an arrow back forever. Kill setup. I mean, when you can get into something under six hundred bucks, 
and you're fully equipped other than you sighting it in, setting up your draw weight, and you can't beat that. Right. No. Like, I, I bought my bow, came with a quiver, came with sights, stabilizer, rest, whisker biscuit. I bought the arrows for it. Yeah, you're right. Outside the arrows, it cost me $400 for that bow. Yeah. I think the one I got was like $349. Yeah. And it came with the sight, uh, whisker biscuit, uh, a quiver. So I paid, you know, $350 for my bow that was ready to shoot, and I just bought better stuff over time. Mm-hmm. So my, I got a cousin that picked up uh, a Bowtech Infinite Edge. Okay. Again, a full ready to ready to hunt setup, and picked it up with the case, arrows, release, and uh, a React Trophy Ridge sight for two hundred and fifty bucks, I believe. I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" Wow. It's brand new. Like, how? <laughs> I would have kept that just as a backup, and he's shooting like lights out with this thing. So, let me ask you this: I, you've told me, Stephen, what you've used in the past. I just forget, but uh, what? Why don't you two go ahead and, you know, I said I shoot a Trophy trophy Ridge 4-pin. Why don't you guys, you know, go through, I also said I use QAD rest, drop away rest. Why don't you guys go ahead and say what you guys use in your setups? All right. Steve, you want to go first? Yeah. So obviously I shoot the Bear Authority. Uh, okay. I also use a QAD drop away rest. Um, my sight is a HHA 1-pin. Which one? Do you know? Oh, God. Um, How old is it? I, I bought it three years ago. Okay. So, so probably their flagship. Um, HHA, one pin. True Fire Release. Um, oh, boy. My stabilizer. Uh, for the life of me, I can't think of... My stabilizer, my stabilizer. I don't even know if that was English. My stabilizer isn't nothing special. It's trophy ridge. Like yeah, mine may be a trophy ridge. Yeah, trophy ridge. Yeah, that's my stabilizer. Um, that's basically it. Not much, but hell, the HHA one pin that was a good three hundred dollar sight. Still but, is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I shoot the QAD drop away too. That's absolutely perfect. Never had an issue with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I shoot an Apex Covert single pin, and I got a Micro Hex eight inch stabilizer on mine. And actually, I just switched back. I I didn't like the way it fit in my my case. It just didn't sit in the same spot, so I went back to my uh, oh god, what was it? An Octane um, by Botech. And I'm trying to think what else. Oh, and I shoot my Scott. So the, the release that I have is very unique. You can't even find these things anywhere, and I keep searching eBay, hoping someone's going to have one, and I can buy it new just as a backup. It's uh, like a pistol grip. So the whole grip is in your hand, and it's uh, fitted for your fingers. Mm-hmm. And then it's got your regular Scott release for the top that's completely adjustable length and sensitivity and all that. But I don't know anybody else that shoots the release that I have. I've seen those on videos and stuff. But I have That's never amazing. seen them for sale. Like to have the whole release in your hand, when I pull back, instead of trying to grab under the neck of your release and you're pulling back with like basically your thumb and your pointer finger. Right. You know, I'm able to grip the entire thing and then I hold it and it's it's all rubber, you know, so it's not cold to hold on to or anything. 
Okay. You know what yeah. we need to do? Now, I know you know money's going to play a part into it, but leading into next season, we need to get a group of guys, you know, maybe come up near so you're not driving, you know, eight hours or whatever it would be, but meet somewhere near the middle that has a 3D range or 3D competition range set up. Yeah. And we all just BS and just the, go shoot. Video shoot. Have you done the video shoot yet? No, I want to. I yeah, do. Those look awesome. On Black Friday. Have you seen those things on Facebook? Those Black Friday deals were nuts. They cut the prices over half. I think it was 72% off or something like that. It was the the bows that had a, you know, you could adjust your draw weight, had a D-loop on it. You put your phone with an app, and you shoot just like normal, and you practice like oh, you're that. you're talking about the AccuBow. Yes, yes. Yeah. I yeah, almost I bought one. I absolutely want to get one of those. Yeah. But I didn't. I couldn't justify it to myself because yeah, I was like, like <laughs> "Well, when I looked at the prices, I was looking at the 1.0 because it was a little cheaper." Yeah. But the even the 2.0s, which are really the 2.0s, I believe normally run around 240 bucks. Mm-hmm. The Black Friday deal I seen was like they were selling for 130 bucks. Yeah, I was like, "Oh man!" And I looked at the 1.0s, and they normally sell for like. $190 and I was like oh and they were $110 I was like dude I could easily get one of these because I can afford it right now but at the same time I can't justify that I'm going to afford it next week Yeah. so I held off and now you know they're back to $200 plus what's, but what's the draw weight on those they go up to you 70 you can adjust it all the way to 70 pounds and you can use your regular release like you said it's set up like your regular the, bow where you're shooting on the D-loop the one thing that and they did eat- not list that really made me question it is they did not mention draw length. Yeah. That was the um, one thing I had, I, I had seen, reservations. Well, here's I've the, seen quite a people shoot them, and some of these guys look like they're pretty close to six foot, so I would imagine it's probably a typical probably 24 to like 30 or 31. Right. Here's the thing that you can practice in the off season. You yes. don't have to go outside, put up a target, shoot arrows, and you can just literally watch TV, pull this bow back, and yep. train yourself with your muscles to hold a bow and just aim it at the TV and just pick something out and see how long you can keep it on right. there. And that and way, that's what it is. It, it's building up that, that yeah. endurance to be able to hold that full draw and yeah. building those shoulder muscles. You know what I mean? Like imagine pinching that tennis ball between your shoulder blades. That's how I was told. Right. You know, if you're going to try to duplicate, like you can do all the push-ups, pull-ups you want, but you're not working the same muscles you mm-hmm. work when you hold a bow at full draw. Different direction, different yeah. t- there's, I mean, you're probably working the same muscles, but they're working in a different way, right, and that makes right. a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Like I, I worked on that when well, I moved to West Virginia in September, or uh, October 9th or something last year, and then you know I moved home since then. But in my apartment, I don't have to pay her rent anymore, so I'm not not afraid to say this on a podcast now. But my apartment was a one bedroom, one bath. And like I had two targets down there, and one was for security, just to make sure I didn't penetrate my door. But I was shooting seven-yard shots, 14, 20 shots a day whenever I was in my apartment when I wasn't out of state working or something. I was in my apartment shooting live arrows in a little apartment building constantly. <laughs> and I think it paid off tremendously this year because, yeah. like, once I got the 3D shoots and even the live deer, like – my shot process was smooth. Now, at the beginning of the 3D shoots, you know, I was still shooting 
arrows that weren't cut to my right length because I didn't know about that, which yeah, you and me, I think, specifically that. talked about that. <laughs> That's so funny. And then I finally figured that out, had people help me out, get it, everything. I got my boot, basically I got my bow tuned correctly f- for the first time mm-hmm. since I owned it. And then I started pinwheeling targets, <clears throat> and then it was like flick of a switch and everything started going haywire again. I couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out. I kept blaming it on target panic, and then Jake sat me down, my buddy that works on my bow for me, he sat me down one day over a beer, and he's just like, dude, did you hear what you said out there after you hit a target? I was like, no, what do you mean? Uh, I mean, I probably did, but what'd you, what did I say? And he's like, you were surprised you hit it. I was like, okay. And he's like, that's where you're going wrong, right there. He's like, yeah. you need, He's like, I've seen you shoot enough. I know you can hit any target you aim at. You need to be confident in yourself to do it. He's like, this sport is very much mental as much as it is practice. He's like, if you don't believe you're going to hit that target or you're somewhat worried, if there's any chance of worry you're going to miss or make a bad shot, you're making a bad shot. The more you think about it, the more room for error you're going to have. Absolutely. I tell people this all the time. I use the analogy as far as shooting your bow to the point where you don't have to think about it. Think about how you shoot a rubber band. If you pull up and got your buddy sitting across the room and you see a rubber band, you can grab that thing in a split second, pull it back, and put it between his eyes and not even think about it. Now, if you shoot your bow like that because you've developed the muscle memory and you've shot so much that you're not thinking about your anchor point, you're not going through the process of each individual step until you think back on it and you'll realize, like, oh, wow, I didn't realize I do all these things. Right. The second that it becomes something you don't have to think about, you're so much better off because you should be focused on that deer. You should be watching where that leg's placed. Is it down? Is it forward? Is it backwards? Is he looking at you? Is he got his head down? Like, right. those are the things you should be able to focus on. The last thing you should be thinking about is drawing your bow back and putting it where it needs to go. That should be second nature without mm-hmm. a thought. It's funny you said that. Last year when I first started in the season opening, I, <laughs> I have not shot my bow all summer. Mm-hmm. And... I went out there, went to 20 yards. I put three arrows. They're practically touching each other. Yeah. Moved it back to 30. I put three arrows right in the bullseye. You know, there's just a little bit of spacing in between them. I went back to 40 yards, put it right in the bullseye. Went back to 50 yards, put it, and I tucked it in right beside, in the bullseye, right beside the one on 40. Or, yeah, right beside the one on 40. I took a picture and I put it on Facebook. And, like, one of the hunting groups I'm in, I was like, all right, looks like I'm all good to go. And all those Facebook warriors of them saying, like, oh, you need to be out practicing more. You need to be doing this. How dare you, you know, just start shooting your bow the day before opening. And I'm over here, like, I just put nine arrows right in the bullseye. And yep. you really think I need to be practicing much? But at the same time, here's... <laughs> The thing about that is, we're hanging out, and I I see you do that. And I've got my dad, and I'm gonna put him on blast right now. He doesn't practice throughout the season. Mm -hmm. We start getting close. He brings his ball, throws a couple arrows down there, and he's shooting money. And he's like, "Good to go." And it drives me nuts. And I tell him all the time, like, "You need to shoot more. You need to like get out here and practice." Like when I get out there, we put like you know a dollar on a shot or something. It's maybe something like we want to get into now that we've got our range set up. But we'll talk crap. Yeah, right. I mean, we'll call out shots. We'll try to outdo each other. And it's like, Dad, get over here and shoot. And he's like, oh, I didn't bring my bow. I'm like, what do you mean? We're up here prepping for hunting season. You didn't bring your bow. But yeah. when he pulls it out, he's on. And it's like, as much crap as I want to give him for not shooting, 
you can't deny the fact that he's become proficient with this thing and so comfortable with it that he puts the arrow where he wants it. But, you know, I'm always, like, saying, well, when you make that bad shot, then I don't want to hear because you haven't put in the time. And then here I am, I practice all year, and I can't put a buck down to save my life. <laughs> well, I think a lot of it – now, I'm not saying this is me personally because, you know, I've been very transparent about my abilities with a bow. From day one on the podcast and with my buddies – and it used to be the running joke that if I called buddies to help me track a deer, they were bringing cases of beer because they, they knew in their minds we weren't finding that deer. Every deer until this year, my does leading up to my buck, all three I've had to track and find. Well, not my buck. Yeah, I mean, I could have tracked him, but I've seen him fall. Yeah. I had to track him. Leading up to this year, if I did not watch that deer fall right where I shot it, we never found it. So it was yeah. always the running joke. And the thing was, like, I was practicing all the time, constantly. And then, like, the moment would come, and, like, that was the one thing I wasn't practicing in my head was the moment, you know. Yeah. And that's not even something you need to practice physically with a bow. you got to run it through your brain, and it's kind of like a self-conditioner. If you can yeah. condition your brain to stay calm, now I'm not saying, you know, you're not shaking, because I, I shake constantly. Whether I'm hunting or I'm at work, I shake a little bit. So, like, if you can't train yourself to calm down enough to make a precision shot, you need to change what you're doing. Because at the end of the day, you owe it to that deer to do the best you can to make an ethical shot. And I'm the first person to tell you, transparent and all, I have been bad about that. I lost a deer this year. I think he survived because I didn't hurt him as bad as I thought I did. And we tracked him for over 500 yards, four hours doing circles around each other and we never found him now yeah. I I want to think he survived but yeah. I'm going to say this right now and I wasn't going to put this on a podcast but you know I feel like to be transparent because there could be someone that listens to this podcast that you know now granted I only got like 12 religious listeners but at the same time there could be a person that may listen or stumble upon this and be like well these guys seem like they're all pretty good shots and this and they always find it that's not the case this deer, now think of a little kid's onesie in Christmas. They got that butt flap, right? Yeah. When I shot that buck a couple weeks ago, or shot, or not a couple weeks ago, about a month ago probably, I shot him out of a blind sitting down. I ranged him at 33 yards. Okay, Everything was going fine in my head. And even the shot process went fine physically. He had just bounded out closer to 40 yards, so I didn't have the right pin on him. Now, I shoot a G5 Mega Meat. It expands out to two inches. and it's Yeah, that's a big broadhead. It, it saved my butt so many times. Saved my girlfriend's butt this year. Mm-hmm. When that deer took off, now, I didn't hear the flap like I normally hear when I know I made a good shot. Or yeah. I made a shot that I'm hoping the broadhead worked its magic. I didn't hear that when I shot this deer. And I say shot it because... When this deer took off, it was like that butt flap had been let down. And it was the right, left, and right to ensure that if it was high enough, it was going to be a kill shot. But it was just low. And when that deer ran and that butt flap was flapping in the wind, I was like, oh, man. Not great shot. You know, I gave him an hour or whatever. Two hours. I don't remember what time what time I went back in to look for him. I waited for my girlfriend and Jake to come to my house. And both live about an hour to 30 minutes away. 
<clears throat> so there was a good period of time where I wasn't even in there tracking him. And at the first part of it, we didn't even find blood. We we went off a hair and we were just grid searching at first in the dark in the rain. Yeah. Girlfriend found blood. We started following the blood, and that's when we started, you know, getting after it. But I want to believe this deer lived because I was that low that I, you know, I just made enough of a cut that his hide came down. I didn't actually yeah. splice any vitals. I'm hoping. The one thing that I'm doubtful is the blood was very dark. Yeah. So I'm like, uh-oh, that could have been liver. If I hit that liver, that he bad. died. Yeah, it's a dead deer. But I don't know where. And, like, right. Jake and me, we don't give up easy on deer. Yeah. Now, I had to work the next day, but I was more than willing to you know, text that night to the boss, even though he was probably asleep, and be like, hey, I'm not coming in because i got to go find this. Yeah. But it was so random that the blood just stopped that I was like, all right, something doesn't add up. You know what I mean? There's all these different components of that that didn't equal out in my brain. Right. Like, Something's not right here. Either he's alive or I killed him and the rain washed away the blood, but it wasn't downpouring. It was just like misting. So I was like, his blood should still be there, and we just weren't finding it. So me and Jake have already told each other, we're going to go in this off-season. We're going to grid search and try and find this deer if he's dead. If we can't find anything, deadhead, you know, whatever, we're going to assume he made it, and he's probably going to have a messed up rack next year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I'm praying and I'm hoping he has a messed up rack next year because I don't want to be that guy that, you know, couldn't find him and then go out and shoot another buck. I don't want to be that guy. But the the sad and horrible reality of deer hunting is it happens sometimes. Absolutely. You know, you you missed that buck this year or last week or whatever. That's a sad reality and it hurts a lot. I've been there many times, more than I'd like to account. The only sense of... Like relief and kind of solace that I got from the whole thing is I brought in a deer tracking dog, <clears throat> and I don't know if you watched the whole video, um, but I tracked it myself. Had to be a good, I don't know, two three hundred yards, and I had bright red blood going all the way through it. I thought I'd lose it, and I'd find it, and it was like someone turned the lights on and I'm back on it again. And uh, the area that I stopped, I decided to call the deer dog. We started out where I hit it. This deer was on it, nose down, grunting around like, he was like, oh yeah, she's got the scent. We're just going to let her do her thing. Right. Got to the spot where I stopped and she started grid searching. And he's all like, I don't want to like, you know, jump the gun on this. He goes, but typically when she does this, um, your deer probably survived because these dogs know from the second they're hit if they're tracking a dead animal or not. And I said, what do you mean by that? Really? And he explained to me that when deer are shot, and it's a fatal shot, um, the amount of adrenaline that dumps into their system is something that uh, the deer tracking dogs pick up on. And that's what they're tracking. They're tracking a dead animal. Hmm. Huh. But you can that. have that I from a deer being shot and they get that initial adrenaline boost, and then when they finally stop somewhere and realize, like, oh, crap, I was just freaked out, they calm down, their blood pressure drops, the adrenaline stops pumping, but they're still bleeding, the deer smells completely different. So that's when the dog starts, like, hang on, my deer just, like, up and got, you know, picked up by a UFO, like, it's not here anymore. Mm. 
So we're tracking visible blood, and we get um, about 100, 150 yards from where you know we picked up that blood. And she's just kind of like tracking everything. She's picking up on rabbits. She's jumping, you know, small animals. She gets into this tall grass and she barks twice. And he stops. He goes, hang on a second. Don't move. She only barks at live animals. So we need to wait. Well, she comes back to us and she sits and he goes, she wants to take us to whatever she found. So we start walking in that direction. She gets ahead of us. She barks again. Two does come bounding out of this tall grass followed by two bucks and three more does one of the bucks i'm like that's my deer he said are you sure and i said i've watched this video enough i'm telling you from every angle i know that deer that's my buck and he was bounding off good as new like nothing happened so we went into where they're bedded down and that's where he found um fresh blood but it had thinned out and he said that deer is completely fine and he goes you you probably hit muscle i think when it turned it went high shoulder exited front of the shoulder or front of the leg on the opposite side like a brisket yeah and he goes and that explains the bright red blood and why that deer thought he was hurt a lot more than he was but yeah i I didn't know a lot of that stuff but i actually had you know the visual confirmation that this deer lived he was fine i'm hoping to see him either in person or on trail camera again but yeah as a bow hunter like or a hunter period you shoot something you know that you intended to kill and there's a possibility you named it and heard it or maybe killed it and can't find it that's the worst that's the absolute worst feeling in the world well, i'm glad you said that because i i feel slightly better about that buck now mm-hmm. <laughs> like i i mean i'm there's still that question of dark blood but sure. it was dark and it was misting and it had been raining that night sure so there's a lot of variables still in there but I do feel better about that now you told me that. Man. You said you if a deer is fatally wounded, I mean, you're not going to get 200, 300-yard track out of a deer like that for the most part, unless you're constantly pushing them. And that's why they tell you back out when you get a gut shot or a liver shot because that's a dead deer. Right. You just have to let them lay down. They're going to bleed. Right. But if you keep pushing them, they'll keep running. And that's a you hard know, thing a to do. A single lung can run a mile, you know? Right. That's that's one of the hardest things to do as a hunter is like at Stop. that point in time you've been patient the whole hunt you put a shot on a deer you're like all right you get in there you don't know where you hit it and that's one of the reasons I do like video in my hunts is yeah. because it does you know eliminate some of the question not all of it you know you can't eliminate all the question because you can never tell you whether said you are shooting the lighted knocks right I mean you talked about that you're yeah I did I did I got the nocturnal lighted yeah. knocks. <clears throat> Visual confirmation, just that alone, I mean, that takes half the guesswork out of it because you're watching a laser beam go straight to where you shot. Right. Yeah. And I actually, I didn't, you know, I didn't really actually help you, Stephen, but like I helped up your morale because I remember you were kind of like iffy about the doe you shot. Yeah. I remember I went back on the video you sent me on my iPhone. I went uh, pixel by pixel or whatever it's called or screen by screen. Frame, right, yeah, frame, frame by frame. By frame. Yeah. And I went, but I started out, I was like, all right, the deer's standing here. I know at this specific time on the the video count is when the arrow flies. So at that point in time, just before the arrow flies, I pause the video and I look at the surroundings behind the deer. Because I know it's on his, the, the camera was on a stabilizer. So at that point in time, I know it's going to vibrate and it's going to be a very shaky video after that. So what I'm looking for is... All right, the deer stand here. There's a tree right here by her back, the front of her back, 
front shoulder, okay? And then I go from there and I framed, I framed it to where the laser beam matched up with that tree. And just knowing that she was quartered away from him, I was like, oh, dude, you smoked her. I, and I text him, I was like, you got her, dude. You, you might need to give her some time. You know, she might have had a bunch of adrenaline hit her and she could be running for 300 yards before she lays down and dies. But you you killed her. You just need to be yep. patient at this point in time. And, you know, by the time, I was at a, a father-daughter dance with my girlfriend's daughter at that point in time. And by the time I finished texting that and sent it to him, he had already found her. So nice. it was like, you know, the first message I sent was just to bump his spirits. Because anybody knows, like, if you're questioned about a questionable about a shot you made it's very defeating and a little bit of encouragement can go a long way because the way i don't know if you guys have had this but i've made really good shots on deer and i've got down i'm looking at my arrow covered in blood i can't find first blood it's like i'm so invested in what's happening i can't step back and take in the entire area and i'm like almost like laser focused like i'm zoomed in you know what i mean i'm looking at these very small areas and I'm like, I'm not seeing blood. I'm not seeing blood. I'm not seeing blood. Yeah. I get one of my brothers or my cousin shows up, and he's all like, hang on a sec. Where did you hit it? There's your arrow. Give me a second. Here you go. It's right here. Look at this. Look at all this blood. I'm like, how did I not see that? <laughs> right. But sometimes you have to disassociate and come back to reality, calm down, and look at it, you know, from an, an, an another perspective, almost from like another person's perspective. Because when you're in it, it's so easy to overlook because you're so pumped and you're so jacked and then you start doubting yourself and you can go from highest high to like lowest low within 10 seconds exactly that's one thing eric on the working class bow hunter always says like i just like eric is known for a lot of different things on there but like uh one of the things i rec i really really remember him saying especially during his african hunt where he shot his giraffe um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, you got to go listen to it, dude. It's wild. But he's like always mentioning the roller coaster. He's like, I went from the highest of the highs to the lowest of lows because he's mentioning over there the, the dirt and stuff that the animals don't bleed a lot because you're not getting pass-throughs. You're hitting sure. and they're taking the arrow. And he's like, these, uh, they call them PHs, professional hunters, but they're basically guides in American standards. He's like, they're not tracking blood over there. They're tracking tracks. Yeah and stuff he's like that was one of the lowest points of the hunt he's like because he's like at that point you don't know if you killed it because there's no blood he's like those guys are just tracking the tracks visual confirmation right and at the same time you know that's one of the things about that makes this passion so awesome is it is a roller coaster yeah and that's what makes it so addicting you go through everything I mean, like I said, even a shot that you're 100% sure on, if you're not seeing blood right away, instant panic. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can't help it because you're thinking, like, well, what if it wasn't? What if What if I didn't? Or, like, you're playing it back in your head, like, maybe I pulled it. Maybe I'll back a little bit further. Maybe I missed completely. Or it's the complete opposite where you're like, man, I made a great shot. And you go back through, you find your arrow, and you're like, oh, maybe not. That's how I felt with my buck. I knew the way he reacted that something wasn't right. You know, he didn't mule kick, and he turned on the spot so fast and just headed into the tree line he was going to go to before I'd run it at him, and it just it didn't sound right. He didn't run right, and something was off. So I was real, like, I celebrated like I smoked him. Right. But in my head, I'm holding on to this thing like something doesn't feel right. So I was slow to get down. 
I started walking over the arrow, and as I'm walking towards it, I'm like, I'm not seeing blood all over this arrow like I should if that was the shot that I made. I had one fletching completely covered in it, and then it had buried like three-quarters of the way. I mean, clean pass-through. It had buried three-quarters of the way into the dirt. So I didn't have tip-to-tip blood to kind of look at and smell or, you know, but I didn't have blood on the other two fletchings. But I had, like, meat, mm-hmm. you know, on some of the daft, but with blood. But then I started seeing the bright red blood, and that completely went out the window. I'm like, I've made a heart shot where that arrow was almost clean. Right. And I can show you pictures. I damn near split that heart in half. And I had almost no blood on that arrow. I was freaked out, but I watched her fall over. Yeah. So I had to go back in my head and say, no, no, she's down. And then I'm like, well, what if she isn't? What if she got up again? What if I, like, just stunned her or whatever? But yeah. It, it can just mess with you. There's so many factors. And that's why I love the buddy hunting. I love having people out there with you because they keep you grounded. They give you that boost when you need it. They can see things you don't, you know, and it's, ah, I love the buddy hunting. <laughs> Steven was just telling me before we got you on the call here about a deer he shot with his muzzleloader. And I'm telling you, it still don't make sense in my brain. He, no, no. There was no exit or entry, but the heart had been blown apart by the bullet. Wow. It makes we, no sense. We looked at this deer front and back while well, because right side, he was on, I shot on his right side, <clears throat> my muzzleloader. And I'm, I'm standing over this deer and my one buddy at the time, he goes, where's the hole at? And I was like, I was like, oh, I mean, he, he ran maybe 15, 20 yards and just dropped. So I know it was a good shot. And I start looking around on the body of this deer, and I cannot find an entry wound. I flip the deer over. I can't find an exit hole. That's wild. I start gutting them. I get to the heart, pull out the heart, and the heart's like literally in half. So I was like, well, that explains why he ran 15, 20 yards. But, yeah. again, I, I can't find a single entrance or... I got Excellent. no guesses for how I, it happened. Dude, it was weird. But Obviously. I heard, uh, I heard uh, it was uh, a way of describing a shot. I've never heard this before. The same buddy told me about the push, you know, and getting shot at kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He said it's uh, um, a Texas heart shot, I think is what he called it. Have you guys ever heard of that? Uh-uh. I've heard of the phrase, but I don't know what it is. Basically coming in from the rear end, straight through, <laughs> and going for the harder lungs. <laughs> So, wow! But like you said, you shot it from the right side, so I'm assuming you had like a broadside. <laughs> oh yeah, he was he was broadside. If I ever hear someone say, "Yeah, I took a Texas heart shot at this deer," I'm I might smack him because it's yeah. like, what are you doing? Like, you know, I had a frontal shot at a doe at 53 yards last weekend, and even those are iffy. I that's, chose yeah, not to take it. I mean, the wind was blowing really hard. It was like probably 15 to 25 mile an hour wind. I was like, I could probably make this shot, but she's like kind of looking at me. She was kind of like, you know, that little bit quarter two, but turning to where her chest is to you and her ass is broadside. So it's like, I could make a frontal shot right here. And more than likely, it's probably going to hit with enough force. It's going to kill her. Sure, but, but at the same time, is that run off with an arrow sticking out the center of her chest because you smoked the sternum? Right. At the same time, is that the <laughs> smartest thing to do because she's not going to bleed much, or I'm not going to yeah. see the blood much because there's not going to be an exit wound. Yeah. So it's I, probably going to be high. You know, I, I my girlfriend's standing right next to me at the time, and she's looking. She, she doesn't have the pins to shoot out past 35 yards, mm. so she sees me go to full draw on this deer. 
and my idea was, all right, she's going to take a step t- back towards the woods because we were just walking up. I was going to go grab a camera, and we. I looked up and I seen her. I was like, hey, hey, hey chill. And my girlfriend looked up, stopped talking, and was like, what do we do? And I was like, just stand still. Pulled the rangefinder up, clocked her 53 yards. I started watching her, and I was like, I mean, I had to take an arrow out of my quiver because I was pretty much done for the night, I thought, because it was so windy. I didn't think they would be up on this hillside. And I put the arrow in. I finally come the full draw at 53, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to make a, I'm gonna make the shot. When she turns to go back towards the woods to run from us, I'm going to try and map her to get her to stop and look back again, and that's when I'll, I'll squeeze the shot off. I never got that opportunity. It was probably for the best because it was very, very windy. Yeah, but that—that's you know—that's what I think people like. You know, white tail adrenaline—they've spoke on it on white or working class podcast before. They're like, yeah, we take mostly frontal shots because we—I mean, they shoot a totally different broadhead. I couldn't even tell you what it is. It's a fixed head of some sort, but yeah, they shoot a devastating arrow. And these guys are—you know—they're the professionals, top of the line. They've been in their industry for a long time they know what they're doing they're like yeah nine times out of ten he's like the deer i've seen in this industry he's like you know broadside's what you want but he's like a lot of times i've seen more deer run away from a broadside shot than i have a frontal shot he's like yeah the frontal shot's a lot harder to track but when you hit a frontal shot the right way they're dead 100 percent of the time broadside you can you, you make a good broadside shot and sometimes they just don't die Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there thinking about that. I was like, you know, you're probably right, but you're not doing enough to convince me to ever take a frontal shot unless I have yeah. a gun. Yeah. Like tomorrow. I've shot that I've seen broadside, whether on video or like in person, where people have taken it in their broadside and all of a sudden they got guts or they got liver blood. You know what I mean? Right. And we forget that those are breathing animals. You know, and that diaphragm's moving to accommodate for the expansion and contraction of those lungs, which is changing that chest cavity size as they're breathing. Right. You know, so if you give yourself that real estate off the shoulder and you come back a couple inches or whatever, and you're, she's slightly quartered or he's slightly quartered away from you, so your entry's where you want it, but your exit's back a lot further, there's just certain things we don't take in consideration or you don't realize until after you flip them over like your exits you're like whoa why am i so far back on that exit right and that's one thing i will give a ton of credit to i have only used it twice and that was for the does this year Mm -hmm. is the jewelry brothers Deercast track now i used it that app for a lot of other stuff because it gives you literal wind direction with the visual Mm -hmm. description and that is game changing but The deer cast track, they have videos to go along with every scenario. You can put that crosshair on that deer diagram. They have a video yeah. scenario explaining how long to wait, if that deer is going to die, what you should do. And that is such a game changer. Like, that's yeah. that. Well, it just gives you that. It's invaluable. You have that visual that confirms or changes, you know, what you were thinking. And at least you can wrap your head around something. And now you're okay. I'm pretty confident of the liver. I feel good about letting that deer lay down because I need to. If yeah. I want to find them, I got to let them lay down. Or you're like, oh, that's a smoke show. I'm going to go track this deer right now. You can do that with confidence to some degree. So, that, yeah, that's awesome. It, it's a, it's it literally invaluable. <laughs> I, I, I will I have to check that out. You know, I, I pay for three hunting apps. 
and the, I live and die by them. Now, my buddy Chris Wheeler in uh, Cincinnati area, I've, I've spoke to you briefly about him on our last podcast. Yeah. Uh, he owns and operates Wheels Up Outdoors. He uses Spartan Forge, and that is also what Seek One uses. It's very similar to Deercast, but at the okay. same time, it's it's like a hybrid between Onyx and Deercast. Mm. So it, it's it's a very similar thing. However, you know, I've had luck with my Deercast. I've had luck with my Onyx. So those two I pay for. I pay for my Onyx subscription. I pay for my Deercast. Mm-hmm. Both do very similar things. Like I could probably honestly get rid of Onyx, but it's so user-friendly and so easy that I, I keep it around. Now the I one my brother was using that this year. It's either that or the Huntwise. I think it was Onyx. Huntwise, I used to, be to able use. To see life, or I'm sorry, in real time, like property lines, because the area we hunt, you yep. know, up north, uh, where we do the public land, there's huge chunks that are privately owned mixed into this. Right. But he was able to find literally this little island of public land that was in between these property lines. But the way they mocked up this fence made it look like it continued all the way through. But he just kept walking the fence line and gets to the spot, and he's like, hang on a second, it dips in here. And he's standing in this section, he's, he's telling me about it, he's got like, I don't know, 60, 100 yards in a full circle, where he's all like, this is public land right here, this is like this little cove in between this this private oh, yeah. section. But to be able to see that literally almost within 10 feet of where it falls, you know, it's pretty, I mean, that, it's, that's it's, crazy. It's awesome. I will tell you this, Deercast... Now, their map lines, they're accurate, but they don't load as fast. And a lot of times, if you're questioning whether you're on public or private, yeah, you, you want that to load right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Onyx is a better option for that. Yeah. But sometimes when you don't have the service, there's something you can do for that. I have not found that option on DeerCast. Now, you know, maybe you know, Jewelry Brothers are very smart. They'll probably upgrade that to accommodate that in the future. But yeah. DeerCast, you can download maps to a certain mile radius and zoom in, and it'll keep your location tracked no matter if you have service or not. DeerCast yeah, does that? Yeah. Or no, not DeerCast. Onyx. Onyx does that. So, like, in PA, <clears throat> I thought I had a map downloaded. I'm going to throw myself under the bus a little bit. <laughs> so, I went to PA. I was hunting Allegheny Mountains, the northern part of them. I knew where the public land started. I hiked in. I sat for a little bit in this location. Hiked a little bit further, playing wind. I found a natural blind someone had built in there with logs. Sat and watched four bearded toms that were the biggest toms I'd ever seen in my life go at 50 yards in front of me. I was like, all right. Kept walking. It was about 5.30. I was like, it's time to get out. You know, it's going to be dark in an hour. Yes, I have a bear tag. I have my flashlight on me, but I'm almost out of water. I need to get out. I'm looking at Onyx. My map did not download. So now I have no service, no map, and I'm just trying to find my way back based on my east-west and my brain. And, you know, I could, I can very easily do that, but sometimes your first choice isn't always correct when you're doing that by your brain. <laughs> Everything looks different in the dark. And I apologize if these guys end up listening to this. It's a very, very small chance, probably less than one percent. But I, if they're listening, I apologize to no ends. Like I never meant to do this, and I would very much be upset if someone did it to me. So I get it. But I started walking, thought I was following the right way. My map wasn't loading the way it should have been. 
I walked up on one blind with an orange flag over it because it was muzzleloader season at the same time. I was like, damn, I'm on someone's property. All right, so I backtracked, looped around to where I thought I should be going, found another blind with an orange flag. I was like, all right. At this point in time, you know, my arrows are quivered. I have no intentions of breaking an arrow out, even if I see a deer. I'm just trying to get out at this point. And, like, it's first time hunting the Allegheny Mountains. So I eventually just found my way to a road. Now, whether I trespassed all the way to that road or not, I'll take the shaming in that because... You know, I probably walked across someone's entire property, but I did see a vehicle to go to a blind and pick someone up. But at the same time, it was like, I need to get to a road because that's the fastest way I'm going to find my way back out of here. And I know there's a road several hundred yards in front of me. I just need to get to it. And like, that was the most humiliating thing for me in my life is, or not, I mean, not technically, but it was very humiliating. You know what I mean? Yeah. To know, like, I think it's more of a humbling moment than anything. I oh, mean, very much. So embarrassed to talk about it out loud, but very much. I, like, I can't, I can't believe that there's ever anybody who's gone out into the woods that hasn't got turned around because you got distracted or you're walking out in the dark and you had your head down for a second and everything looks familiar and then all of a sudden it doesn't. Right. You know what I mean? That marker tree that you use against the skyline isn't there anymore, and you're like, crap. Right. Do I backtrack? Do I hold tight until there's enough light and I know where I'm at? Because I know I'm probably within 50 yards of where I should be, but you might as well be three miles of the bit. Right. And you it's it, like you said, it's, it was very humbling because mm-hmm. I've always prided myself on telling my buddies this. And I, I still believe this is true even after being humbled because, you know, I've taken more time to consider and study maps of where I'm going to go hunt. Mm-hmm. Is you know, I used to tell my buddies, like, if you want to get me lost, take me into a concrete jungle, for example, downtown Columbus. I'm going to get lost. Yeah. I can't tell which way's up, but you drop me in the middle of the freaking mountains, and I'm going to find my way back, no matter yeah. what. And yeah. I've been, that's because I've been raised and whatnot, brought up in the woods. So, you know, I ended up finding my way back, and I told my girlfriend about that. She, like, was, like, looking at me like it was a huge thing, and I was like, yeah. I understand, you know, I trespassed. Well, she's, she's going through the panic. Like, what if you would have got lost? What if something would have happened? How am I supposed to find you? I can't send anyone to you. Right, you know, and I, I had no you. service to send anything yeah. to her. But yeah. at the same time, you know, you, I mean, you probably do the same thing. I mean, you got service background, but you're also an outdoorsman. At the same time, you're probably thinking, if your wife said that to you, you're probably thinking in your head like I was, you know. Well, you know, at the same time, you could have just sat here, waited, and waited, and waited, and eventually I will show up. It's just when 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 will I show up is the yeah. question. And I 100% knew I was going to show up. It's just a because I ended up walking three miles past where the road I should have turned on was. <laughs> I walked 16 miles or something. I don't remember how many miles I walked that day, but I walked a crap ton to the point where like I wasn't able to hunt the next day because I could hardly walk. I bet you wish you had that bike then, huh? Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah, and that bike's still broken. <laughs> but So I ended up finding someone to take me back to this location. But, you know, it was very humbling. And since then, I have done so much to, like, you know, I was going down to, she's got a property that her mom and her aunt owns. I'm not going to say where um, because they were very, very, uh, what do you say, specific about we don't want no one to know where this is. Yeah, and I said, okay, fine. That's a hundred percent cool with me because you know that's better deer hunting for me. So, you know, I, I knew the county that it was in 
is very poor service. So I was like, all right, I need the address. And I kept bugging my girlfriend for it. She finally got the address sent to me, put it on Onyx, found the address, found the property lines, downloaded the map to five miles. It'll show property lines to five miles. So I can go there, lose all service, still got my property lines. So that way I know that that will never happen again as long as I got a phone battery. You're going to have to show me how to download because I never even know. The other app I use, and I swear it plays a huge role. (laughs) And like, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that's just... That's just bull. It don't work like that. This and that. The moon don't play a phase like that. That's false. The moon guide. The app from... Whoever made it died, sold it the rights to Adam Hayes, who owns Team 200. He's killed multiple 200-inch deer with a bow. This guy, he just, you know, he uses a platform. He didn't create it. He doesn't... He's made it better, but he owns it now. I mean, it's not his to own, but he owns it. The moon guide is such a helpful tool. It tells you when the red moon comes up. It's more than just the the full moon. You know, everybody knows the full moon deer moving at night. The red moon is the moon is up in the middle of the day. Big bucks get on their feet during the red moon. I will a hundred times out of a hundred times throw my life savings on a monster deer move. During that red fa- red moon phase, hundred times out of hundred times, like no hesitation, I will bet the bank on it. I killed my buck at two in the afternoon during a red moon this year. It's something that like I, I I'm not I'm not trying to like you know promote you guys to it. I'm not branded by I'm not sponsored by them, but I would I believe in what they're doing. Just like I believe in the illusion systems. I got their grunt call. I got their route, black rack. Mm-hmm. I got their phase foam for the field. I 100% believe in this stuff. And, like, I don't promote anything I don't believe in because I've tested it and worked it and seen the issues or the successes of it. I think a lot of it just comes with confidence. You've been successful, so you attach the success to that item. Hunting, uh, and I don't know if you guys fish. I fish quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have my confidence lures. I have my no skunk lures. I know these things catch fish no matter what the conditions are, no matter what body of water. I can give that lure to somebody off my rod and they can't catch anything. That's lit. I, I started making, like, fly fishing lures. Yeah. I make all these fly fishing lures. I can't catch shit off them. But I make one for my buddy. Within two casts, he's hammering smallmouth with them. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> By the way, did you bring those with you? That you know what you're doing. He feels confident. Like, this is a custom lure. Like, he made this specifically for this specific body of water. And he's fishing with confidence. And that confidence starts to create something i really think you can manifest things if you're 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 conscious of it and you put enough you know effort and confidence into it Mm -hmm. you start it's almost like tuning in you know what i mean like you're you're watching and paying attention to everything because you're already confident it's going to happen so when you're that confident you're switched on and when you're switched on you miss nothing so it just it just improves your overall performance when that confidence is there if you're going in with something new and you're doubting it or you know, you heard bad stories about it. You're going to avoid it like the plague. That's me and Rage Broadheads right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm not going to shame anybody who uses Rage Broadheads, but I personally will never use them. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, 
let, let's just put it in a bottom line right now. Mm-hmm. Hunting, fishing, we'll say the outdoor industry, put it bottom line term, outdoor industry, is so complex yet so simple that it drives people like us three to be so passionate but yet yeah. so confused and so in love all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's a complete love-hate relationship. When you're successful and everything's going right, you're like, the best thing in the world. When it's messing up and you can't pattern these deer or you make a bad shot, you're like, you're ready to throw it all down. Right. Yep. You know, but it only takes, and what I tell people all the time, it takes 15 seconds to turn your worst day into the best hunt you've ever had. Perspective. Yep. Yep, it's all perspective, and it's all about just, you know, being in that moment and taking the good with the bad and knowing that at any second it can turn around. And it's not always, you know, having that perspective like, oh, well, I try and think things are good, and then this second it's good, and then what I'm, I'm still thinking hopeful, but everything's going bad, and everything's going bad, but I'm still thinking ho- Perspective isn't nothing without patience. Yep. And that, that's one thing I have been learning heavily for the last couple months is patience is the biggest tool you will ever use in your life, whether it's hunting, working, fishing, family life. Whatever it is, patience will get you through everything because it creates everything else. Yeah. But, uh, well, I'm of the belief system too, and I don't, I'm sure you guys probably attest to this, so many skills and so many things that I learned from hunting and fishing you know, just being outdoors are things that I can relate to my everyday life. You know what I mean? That patience, that, you know, I don't know, there's just so many things you pay attention to all the details. You start to appreciate things like a sunset or, you know, sunrise while you're in the tree stand. I'm like, come on, tell me there's something more beautiful than that other than your child being born. Right. You know, it's on a whole nother level. Yeah. There, There's nothing much like it. I, I yeah. told my girlfriend before the season started because she wanted to get back into shooting her bow and I convinced her to buy a hunting license and a tag and said, all right, you want to shoot your bow, let's get you out hunting. And she's like, oh, all for it. Like, never even hesitated. I was like, all right, cool. I said, there's and one... purpose with it. It's I was nice like, there's... to get out and practice and have it, like, as a, as a hobby. Right. But to have something you're working towards and now you have that perspective, like, I'm going to walk half mile into the stand, I'm going to sit through this amazing, beautiful sunrise, and then I'm going to see these deer come out, and now all that practice has a purpose. Mm-hmm. Whole different level. That's exactly yep. what I told her, and I, I told her she didn't even hesitate to buy a license or a tag, and it was awesome. I said, "There's one thing I want to show you. I have yet to been able to show her, but uh, I want to take her up a climber or a ladder stand or whatever stand I can, because it, you know, it's different feeling." when the morning and the woods come awake when you're on the ground than when you're in a tree stand. Mm-hmm. It's not a whole lot different, but in a tree stand, you can see and hear everything so much clearer. And on the ground, it's kind of all like echo, and you can only see so much. I want to get her in a tree stand as like a late October, early November morning christens. Yeah. that That's what, that's what I want to show her because there's not. I could go all year without killing a deer. If I see a bunch of those sunrises, I'm going to come back every year and deer hunt, no matter what. I mean, you play through your head. We've all done this. You get out of the truck. 
you have to, I don't know about you guys, but I get dressed at the truck. I don't drive in my clothes. My stuff sits in a, you know, on a tote in the back and I can get dressed at the back of the truck. Yeah. It's freaking cold. I'm already like, what am I doing? Am I crazy? Like you can't see in front of you if you got a headlamp on because the, the, the air is so cold and the breath is so thick. It's like, I can't even see. I might as well be walking in fog. Right. Get turned around in the woods. You make a noise when you get up in the tree stand. You drop your release. You got to climb back down. Everything went wrong. You're freezing. You're shaking. And then what happens? That first ray of sunlight breaks that tree, and you're sitting in it, and all of a sudden you're warm. You're comfortable. You're praying for the first time all year. Like, it is insane what that sunrise does for you. Oh, yeah. Mentally, physically, everything. Like, it is absolutely something that has to be experienced. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've also dealt with many situations like that that are beautiful, but I've also dealt with situations where <laughs> it makes you not want to stay in the woods after dark. <laughs> sure. sure. I've had, and I, I, I got a video of it. I was getting out. It was, like, pitch black. And next thing I know, I got a pack of coyotes howling off to my left. That, sure? them, them howling sparked up another pack to start howling behind me are you sure they weren't skinwalkers <laughs> oh i don't know but i got the audio on my phone your imagination's getting the best of you but i oh god but i got i started recording and so i'm you know i'm listening Instead of to getting it. away from coyote packs steven pulls Fuck. out his phone and fucking records it dude i was up in the tree i know i was safe from coyotes up in a tree but uh i got this this recording and all of a sudden this coyote starts howling off to my right and i swear it sounded like a fucking wolf <laughs> and i'll play it over i don't know if we'll be able to hear it well but oh yeah yeah that'll make you go cold for a second and uh that one's got a real deep howl he was about 60 yards to my right. <laughs> I've been after a spotlight after him because I'd want him to put him on my wall. Wow. Dude, that's yeah. awesome. My wife might be getting the call. It's either you drive in so I can see headlights or I might be spending the night. <laughs> <laughs> and where I was sitting, I don't have, I have no service out there. I tried texting one of the guys that was at the house. And I was like, you're going to have to come pick me up. Obviously, right. the text never went through. And I walked out with my knife in my hand and... I had like a half mile walk back to the four wheeler. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I would be making as much noise. Like, well, I don't know, because then you start. It's those, one of those doubt moments. Do you make a lot of noise, or you try to be sneaky? <laughs> I'm trying to sneak. <laughs> oh, not me. I was, I was, I was like running back to the four wheeler. <laughs> I was like, I want these things to know I'm here, so they can just stay away. You, my, at that but, point, you might as well start yelling. Like, it's on. We jumped a small one. Get him. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think of that. All right, there's 12 of us, one of him. Let's go. God, he's be nipping your ass. Be like, get he's boys, hurry up. Us. We know right where he's at. Oh God. The coyotes be nipping at his ass and be like, guys, this is not a small one. We need help. <laughs> yeah, bring in the reinforcements. This is an honest to God's true story. This area that we hunt, um, when we do our annual trip, we've been hunting since I was a kid, and I think it was my first or second year. There's me. And two of my brothers, uh, two of my older brothers, and my dad and my cousin, we separate. We make our own ground blinds. We like down trees, so you already got the branch on the ground. You clear underneath it. And you just make yourself a little bird's nest. 
those were our first experiences before we were put up in a tree stand and left there by ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we got these strategic little ground blinds made. Well, my brother's in this little keyhole field behind me. He says he goes to get down to come out after the morning. I think it was the morning hunt. This is a while back. I couldn't have been older than like 12, maybe 13. He's starting to make his way through this little keyhole and it comes to a little pinch and then opens up to the main field the rest of us are in. And he says he's looking at three or four coyotes standing side by side blocking Ooh. and he says they start they start coming towards him <laughs> he said he dropped his bow i can hear him running through the woods i didn't know what was happening at the time i could just hear the noise and i hear a huge branch snap <laughs> what he had done is he dropped his bow full sprint back to a stand where he was in a ladder stand i think and he like kicks off a, a branch or a down tree and launches himself to the base of the ladder stand and pulls himself into it. Oh. And he will not come down. Oh my he's God. He's terrified. And we're like, Jay, what's going on? And he's like, I'm not coming down. We're like, where's your bow? And he's like, it's back there. <laughs> and he's telling us about this. I'm like, how freaking terrifying would that be? Like, you're looking at four coyotes. Like, I don't give a crap Hungry. what anybody says. You, you, you're dropping something. Oh yeah, I, I mean I'm keeping I my bow on me, but I'm going to done, stand. I would have done the same uh-huh. thing, but right now, me being you know, if I was that that old, but me being 26 now and you know 350 pounds, I, I'll be like, all right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> One of me versus four coyotes. <laughs> you take at least two with you. <laughs> yeah, if I die, I'm I'm taking a couple with me. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know how I'd react in that situation, but I know if I went back to my stand. I'm taking my bow with me and hoping those coyotes come out in front of me so I could take one of them with me. Well, the first thing I would have done is I wouldn't have dropped my bow. I would have shot one. And I then if they would have... loaded. I think he was walking back like we're getting ready to be done for the morning. <laughs> and, like, we used to go in, like, kind of like a staggered, you know, setup. Like, I remember my dad would be at the back of the field, and he would have a whistle on him. And we would sit. And so, <laughs> this is so funny. I can't believe... Like, I haven't talked about this stuff in forever. So I'm sitting in my ground blind. My brother, Cliff, he's my oldest brother. He's directly across from me in the field, maybe like 200 yards. I can see him. And then my brother, Justin, is in that keyhole field behind me. Well, Jay, as it starts getting dark, he'd always make his way over to me, and we'd sit in my blind, and we'd wait for my daddy to blow a whistle, like, hey, I'm coming. Stay put. I'm on my way. Well, the coyotes start going. My oldest brother, Cliff, terrified. <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm here running across the field like what the hell we can't see nothing i swear to you he supermans over the front of my ground line and i'm talking probably like three foot tall wall he just comes in completely horizontal like superman hits the ground tears on his face me and my brother laughing our ass off we're like oh my god are you serious he's like dude they're right behind me i swear to god they're right there my dad's blowing his whistle and i think he went towards my brother's stand first if i'm remembering this correct and he's not there Oh, geez. So he's blowing his whistle and he makes his way over to us. He's like, "Where the hell are you?" He's in the fetal position, crying. Oh my god! Me and my brother were ragging and we were laughing so hard. That, that that reminds me of a story of me and Zach Blake hunting on his family farm. Um, we were in a blind, and our buddy Tim Sanders with us with us. Zach's got his AR-15 on him, you know, fully loaded 30-round mag 5.56. 
Tim has a 12 gauge on him. Didn't mm-hmm. give a crap about, you know, the plug rule or whatever. He had like four or five rounds in the plug or whatever that gun could hold. I don't remember what gun it was, but it was a 12 gauge of some sort. I had, I was like, well, if you guys are bringing heavy, heavy weaponry, what the hell am I, I don't, I don't need to bring nothing else. I said, mm-hmm. I'm going to just bring a fun toy that I want to shoot because it looks cool. So I brought a 357 mag. Uh, and I'm sitting there, and we, I mean, we got a picture. We we kind of did, like, a photo op in the blind. It was just kind of stupid. We didn't think we'd see we're anything. Girls, we're badasses. Right. So my buddy, Zach, starts his call up. And this is just down the road, Stephen. Mm-hmm. My buddy, Zach, starts his call, an electronic call, and starts calling. And all of a sudden, coyotes start popping everywhere. And we're in a cow pasture. Everywhere <laughs> around us, 360, there's coyotes howling off. Tim starts losing his shit. And Zach and me are just looking at each other, just busting up laughing at Tim. We're like, dude, what is your issue? You've got a 12-gauge. Not one of those fucking canines are going to mess with you. If they do, you shoot, send them to hell. You shoot once and they're all gone. And Tim's like freaking out. He's like, dude, we got to go back to the house. Dude, we got to go back to the house. And if Tim listens to this, he's going to be real upset because we're supposed to do a coyote tournament over the 10th. So he's going to be real upset, but we're going to figure out how much of a man he's grown into. So, because I will sit there in the pitch black and I will knife hunt a coyote because I understand it. If you make loud enough noise, you're not even going to get one. They're going to take off. Yeah. They're just I, like. I understand the, the, their biology. I understand what they're going to do. And they're, they're what is that? Uh, uh, your. Coyotes or. Fighter, your fight or flight. Yeah. I understand coyotes' fight or flight. So, I'm gonna definitely. You know, we're doing it for a tournament this on the tenth. So I'm gonna take my AR out with me just because I'm gonna try and win the tournament because I'm a com- competitive person. But at the same time, when we're in that blind, I'm not gonna let Tim live it down this entire three day tournament. Be like, dude, you sure you're not gonna cry like a little bitch? Yeah, remember, remember that time? Yeah. <laughs> remember this picture where you're acting like a badass? And, and then, like, 30 <laughs> minutes later, you're about to piss yourself? <laughs> I have faith in you, Tim. I think you're going to do great. I hope. Yeah, coyotes, um, are, coyotes are just like deer. They're going to go downwind, try and figure out what you are. Mm-hmm. If they're hearing, you know, a rabbit squeal, they're going to go downwind of it, try and pick it just off. like a big then, buck. Yeah, they're going to yeah. go. If you move once, they'll they'll pick you off. Well, that's why when they say like predator hunting, because I I do a lot of it. Get like a electronic call, but get like a uh, a decoy that will like spin or shake or do something. Right, they uh, got like the box tail or something. On yeah, it. yeah, to keep them interested. But obviously, you don't want to sit right behind it. That way, if they're looking at it, they're going to be looking at you too. That right, line of sight. Yeah, um, but well, boys, I think I, I know what to end this on. My my computer battery is at nineteen percent. I'm sure my phone is very similar. It is at twenty. How long you guys were talking before you called me? Because we've about been on this for forty two minutes. Hours. We, we we're we're about three hours into this podcast. Yeah. You gonna make this a two parter? I'm very much considering it. I'm not. This is gonna be. Uh, so there's an episode to drop today. So this will be the next episode. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll have time to mess around yeah. and stuff with it. But uh, I think I know what to end this one on. So, 
I don't know how religious you guys are, but I will I will end my piece with this. I've had more conversations with the man above twenty five feet in a tree than I will probably ever have inside of a church. So I, I can go sit in a church. I can listen to the the you know the lecture and over the Bible and this and that. But the song singing that's not for me. And I will always communicate better with God when I'm in a tree stand. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know about you guys, I'm with but you. I say it. I say it all the time. That is that is my church. That's I, I feel closer to Him. I'm surrounded by nothing but His creations, and it's. It's something that you have to experience for sure. It's yep. it's amazing. There's it is. No, no other way to describe it. It's uh, it can be emotional. It can be your therapy. It's there's something magical about sitting out there surrounded by nothing but nature. It's not influenced by man. You're not seeing trash, power lines. You don't hear the cars. It's it's special for sure, man. You're it definitely is. on to something. Would never trade it for the world. Can make you happy. Appreciate life. But uh, like I said, the next five seconds it can piss you off and make you hate the world. And that's that's the that's, awesomeness that's, about yeah. it, though. That's, that is the awesomeness about it, though. Yep. Yeah. You know, none of it is possible without him, though. Exactly. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you missed a buck. Stephen has yet to kill a buck. So, I've yeah. made bad shot this year. together it's a love-hate relationship and none of those opportunities are ever presented without you can do all the homework you want but without him putting it in front of you it don't happen yeah so yeah i'm definitely grateful for the opportunities and you know getting out there and being able to enjoy it yep but uh well we're gonna we're gonna sign off here um i will definitely be texting you either tonight or tomorrow and you know i'll be trying to get on the the calendar and figure narrow down when I, i'll be up but i'm hope i'll be i'll definitely be up before the end of the season but hey, i appreciate you guys calling me man this ended up being a really cool night yeah. hell yeah man appreciate i appreciate you taking you out your time out of your day for it yeah sorry if we uh we we pushed your dinner back no worries, man. We're good. We always eat while I was on here with you guys. Okay. I was going to say, tell your wife I apologize. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'll, I'll, you know. each other. She's, she's all for it. Like I told you, Zach, she's so supportive and so amazing, you know, with my love and passion for this that it just, it, it just works. <laughs> you know, I, I look forward to meeting you guys in person. I really do. Yeah, I, 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 I cannot wait. Hey, we got to do this 3D shoot or something. Like, I don't yeah. want that just to be something thrown out there to sound cool. I would love to get together and get a group of guys, be competitive, talk shit. You know, I don't really drink, but have some beers, have some good food, share some stories, and just build that brotherhood. Dude, you know, I love if exactly. we're anywhere near one of our buddies' houses or anything like that, and they got a smoker, dude, we, we go do a 3D shoot. I'll make some, I'll make the best ribs you've ever had in your life. I can beat you. I'm in. I can beat you. Oh, he's already talking shit. <laughs> yeah. I'll, eat I'll eat them both. I'll let you guys know who won. <laughs> but, all right, buddy, Chris, I appreciate it, yeah, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Take it's it easy. Talking to you. I'll, Best of luck this year, man. I hope you drop one. I hope so. I've <laughs> shot bucks before, but. The rest of those tags, man. Yeah. We got some meat to donate. Hell yeah. Yes, sir, we do. But uh, I appreciate it, Chris. You take her easy. Yeah, you too. Later, buddy. Bye. All right, guys.
Alright ladies and gentlemen, I understand this was a super super long podcast. I appreciate you sticking along with it. This will this was a this is definitely gonna be broken into two pieces. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's three hours long. It'll probably be an hour and a half episode, so yeah. uh, but I appreciate you all sticking along with this. This is episode thirty of Grindstone Adventures. This is me, your host, Zach Fuhr, and team member and I don't know what the hell you even call it. I, position like I don't want to call it number two because then it sounds like you're below me. But you're vice not. president, I vice don't know. president, what, I, whatever. I, you're, you're we're co-owners. Let's put it yeah, down. Yeah. Whatever it is. But Stephen is here with us, so you know, you know what I always say, and I struggled on saying it for a few episodes. <clears throat> Go out there, live your life, have fun, do what you want to do. You know. Work towards your goals, no matter how big or small. Make a little improvement each day to get closer to your goals. Have no zero days. That is that is the slogan. No zero days. Right do what you got to do. Have fun. Live life. Don't take too much. Be patient. We love you. We're out. This is Grindstone Adventures. Later.